0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting
1: entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Primetime Podcast, new and improved. We killed Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) We murdered Sean, you're not supposed to say that on air. He'll be back in a month. (laughs) Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Uh, This is the Primetime Podcast. This is your uh, podcast for college. Sporting news, but we hijacked it, so it's just gonna be the draft. It's yeah, just we, gonna be the NBA draft.
2: Look, we love talking basketball, so that's what we decided that we're going to do for the next month on the Primetime Podcast is just talk NBA draft.
1: Yeah, and some people in this and this was a comment saying like, "Oh, why aren't you guys covering the NBA playoffs?" Because the draft is fun. Yeah, uh, and one thing too is like, you guys like the draft better than the playoffs. Like, whenever we put out playoff content, it really doesn't do well. Yeah, uh, not nobody really watches it. So we're gonna put something that people you know can watch and have a conversation with. So that's what we want to do. Yep. On this podcast, we gave you three topics that we felt were great conversation starters. We have uh NBA Combine, the list came out of 66 players that will be attending. We're gonna be talking about the guys that we really cannot wait to see in those lists. I think we picked like 15 of them. We was really we hard about to narrow down. Yeah, it, it's gonna be an absolute blast. So we got 15 of them. We'll talk about all those prospects that we're super excited for uh for the NBA Combine. Then we'll be going into bust. We were positive last week. We talked about potential steals. Now we'll be talking about potential busts coming up. And then finally we talk about the best fits for Saquon Demboya in the 2019 NBA draft. If you are new here, feel free to subscribe. We would love for you to subscribe on YouTube or follow us on our, our, our iTunes uh, RSS feed. Uh, we would love to have you back each and every week. We put these out weekly. We have conversations with you weekly, whether it be on the Primetime Podcast about college sports, whether it be on the Fast Break Podcast where we talk about the NBA, whether it be on the Onset Kick where we talk about the NFL, whether it be on Rick and Johnny where you guys talk nerd news, whether it be on the Tool Old to the Game podcast where you guys talk gaming. Uh, I think Thank I'm you. forgetting. Or a Graphic Conversation, which is coming back, uh, which is about uh, Graphic. No- novels, which Ricky and, uh, and and Mark do. So, if you do want to help us out, uh, obviously subscribe and follow our RSS feed, or you can also check out patreon.com slash Podcast. That is the best way to help us. Patreon.com slash Podcast. We are trying to upgrade this room, and by upgrade, just get a whole different space. Just whole different uh, latitude long longitude. Uh, we're going to try to move out we're trying to get an upgrade. We're trying to build some sets. We're trying to make it all fancy and nice. And you can help us out by doing that by going to patreon.com/slash podcast. And you get some really cool perks there, especially the gold perks. Uh if you you know give us $10 a month, you can be on a Patreon segment. So if you want to talk about the potential busts that are coming up in the NBA draft, you can jump on. You can use this damn phone. You can use this phone and we'll and you can call A real us. high tech over You can here. call us on the that damn phone, phone. from
2: nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, oh, it looks like it too. It's made by General Electric. Like it's got that nice staled, you know, white color to it where it's like, mm, that's seen a lot of a lot of dirty air, a lot of dirty faces. And the dust is old too. Oh, yeah. The dust Even on the is dust. Old. And could we dust it? Yes. But our That's we? not really no. our, you know, that's not really our thing. What, We're what here you, to make
1: content. What do you think? We're maids? Come on.
2: This is a, and also this isn't our room,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. If if we when when we have our own space. We will have the nicest device for you to call it. We on. will we will dust the shit out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, this is the podcast that we'll be talking about, uh, You know, obviously, uh, NBA Draft Combine, uh, NBA Potential Bust in 2019 NBA Draft, and Sekou Demboya's Best Fits. If you have any thoughts on it, please let us know uh, at, on Twitter, at Most of Our Podcast, or let us know in the comment section of these videos. But Dave, let's start off with the NBA Draft Combine. The NBA Draft just released the expected attendees for the 2019 NBA Draft Combine, powered by Under Armour. They put that specifically in oh. the press release. Uh, a select number of draft eligible players will be invited to participate in the 2019 NBA draft combine based on their performances in the NBA G league elite camps, which take place may 12th to the 14th. So we also get a couple of those players as well. Um, But we have the guys from college and and some from high school as well that we're extremely interested in. And the combine will be taking place Thursday, May 16th and May 17th. ESPN two will provide coverage both days from three to 7 PM Eastern time. Uh, If you are a fan, um, The ESPN2 broadcast kind of sucks. They usually bring in a lot of interviews and they're very boring. Yeah, um, not a whole lot of personality shining through. Yeah, they really don't show the games, which is the point that I'd be watching the combine for is the five on five that they do. Yeah, uh, but not only we're gonna be getting that, we'll also be getting uh, you know wingspans, uh, some vertical jumps, some some
2: speed tests as well. We can uh, take some shots at how that guy can't lift that uh, bench press, the one seventy five bar. Yeah. Everybody just makes jokes about Kevin Durant not being able to do one. Yeah, if you can't do one, like why would anyone draft you? Clearly, Kevin Durant He's, has no physical talent. And here's the not be in the nba here's the
1: thing maybe he he has some physical strength but he has no uh, uh mental strength apparently mm. or uh no uh well yeah he has no mental sp- strength and that's what that showed uh the bench press showed. <laughs> you know he could probably do 175 press now but he can't take any uh trash talk on twitter Ooh. um but anyways uh we're, we, we, we went through the 66 list of prospects and there was a lot of interesting names on there uh, we thought we picked the most interesting 15 on there. Uh, those players are Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky, Darius Baisley um, from the G League, kind of. Uh, he was a recruit of Syracuse and then was like, nah, I'm leaving, uh, and then became an intern with New Balance. Uh, extremely interesting. He was a top 20 uh, recruit in yeah. in, uh, in high school last year. Uh, we have Bobo from Oregon. We have uh, Brian Bowen, who is, I think most people would know, from uh, he was a former Louisville recruit, and then he got caught Um, receiving money from Louisville. Apparently, his family members were taking it. Brian claims that he was not taking the money. Um, His family was apparently taking money, um, and this was dealing with Patino and the reason why Patino got taken down. Um, So, Brian was now playing in Sydney, Australia. He's coming now. He'll be uh, attending the NBA Draft 2019 Combine, so seeing what Brian could do will be interesting. Uh, Brian Clark from Gonzaga, Darius Garland from Vanderbilt, Quentin Grimes from Kansas, Tyler Hero from Kentucky, Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State, uh i'm gonna mifundu kabinjali from florida close state enough. all right close uh kabinjali from florida state lewis king from oregon uh romeo Linkford from indiana uh, L- uh ooh, L- uh leck H- how do you say his name yeah leck yep the high school kid he was a five-year high school player yeah he has a first name um I, i'm bad at, with names uh it, it's uh jalen jalen leck uh from <laughs> brewster <laughs> oh Academy. you can write it down wow in, uh, in, in uh, New Hampshire. Yep. And then you got to look at Nasir Little from uh, North Carolina. Uh, Chume Okeke from uh, Auburn. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. from USC. Jontae Porter from Missouri. Luka Samanich, uh, international player. And then finally, uh, we're going to be talking about Zion Williamson, and just how much of a freak he will end up being. We'll save that for the last, though, so you don't have yeah. to listen to talk because we going to uh, talk okay. about Zion unless you want to stick around. Uh, let's just go in order right now, Dave. Let's start with Charles Bassey. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy that was highly ranked. I think top 10 coming into this class, goes to Western Kentucky, kind of gets lost um, at Western Kentucky, doesn't put up crazy eye-popping stats that you'd expect you know, a top prospect to do so at Western Kentucky. What are you looking for him to show you at the Combine uh, on the 16th and 17th?
2: I'm really hoping that he has worked on his agility a little bit, because one of the biggest knocks on him was his ability to move laterally, to move quickly. You know, he, He's a large guy with a large frame, but... If he can't keep up with the pace of the game, he can really slow down offenses and becomes a liability on defense anytime there's a switch, anytime they put you in a pick and roll at the top of the key. He's not someone who can recover quickly from a bad misstep. So if he's worked on his agility, if he's slimmed down a little bit more, I think that you could really see him kind of slide his way back up into, you know, I think where a lot of people had him was falling maybe to the second question about where, Maybe he could find his way back up to that uh, end of the first, top of the second.
1: Mm, yeah, he's he's an interesting player to me, obviously because of the high school uh, recruiting thing that comes out. Yeah. Comes out. But the biggest thing that I, I look watching him is I don't see him to be an explosive player. And I don't really know if you can add that. And maybe he wasn't really showing that at Western Kentucky um, just because it was so easy for him to beat his man. Um, consistently, you just saw it was an entry pass to the low post, and he was just able to get by guys.
2: I remember um, we watched a five-minute video of his highlights, and I was like, wow, there's, there's not a whole lot of skills shining through there. It's yeah, just very much catch, turning, turn, yeah. and mm-hmm.
1: dunk. Yeah. Um, and that's why I didn't see you know much jumping off the page when it comes to athleticism, when it comes to Charles Bassey. So. That's the thing what I'm looking for, at least in the combine, is when you're going up against these higher-quality players, when you're going Mm -hmm. up in these five-on-fives, will you be able to physically dominate? And that was one thing that we saw. Let's just take uh, Mitchell Robinson uh, into account because he was a guy that was... Uh, you know, committed to Western Kentucky, then pulled out completely and just f- solely worked on uh, NBA uh, training before he obviously went to the draft last year. Yeah, went in the second round and was an absolute stud. A hundred percent. Um, we saw that that athleticism was completely there. Uh, he was a goddamn monster. Yeah, crazy wingspan, crazy athleticism, blocking shots left and right was extremely disruptive and <coughs> might have been one of the most disruptive dis- disruptive players defensively, his, just in the league. Yeah,
2: his rookie defensive stats were putting him in the elite. Category mm-hmm. with some of the greatest of all time. It, it is scary how proficient he was at being a shot blocker. I mean, the, the biggest thing for him was just he had to work on you know, Fouls. yeah, not biting on every single pump fake. Yeah, and I mean, that man massacred people if he came down on them.
1: He is still super young too, so that, that's obviously going to be something that uh, he can work on. Yeah, um, and that, that's why we're you know wonder with with Bassie is he has a pretty decent you know defensive rating uh, yeah. coming out of college. You look at his his blocks too, two point four. In the the thirty four games he played at Western Kentucky, so, I, I but then I do wonder like you know is he going up against that tough of athletes? Is right. he going up against slow big men? Like I, I never saw him to be this stalwart defensively uh, that you know really jumped off the page. And I look at him and Charles Bassey, and I think you have to look at him like you would look at Goga Batazde. And I look at Batazde and I don't see maybe that ex- you know an explosiveness. I think probably the, the explosiveness I see is the same, but the thing yeah. I see with Goga is he's so polished. Um, he can take it from 15 out and drive in and, and attack. Um, he's very limber uh, when it, when he's attacking the bucket. Um, he's very, at least, uh, creative as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've seen Bassey put into those situations where he can be. So maybe Bassey should be up higher. Maybe he should be above uh, De- uh, Daniel Gaffer. Maybe he should be above Goga Bataste, uh, or or Jackson Hayes. But I didn't see him in enough situations where that was warranted. And maybe he'll end up being a potential steal because people are sleeping on him because they're not looking at him fully as a prospect. And maybe Western Kentucky held him back a little bit. But the thing that I'm looking for with him is what's his vertical? What's his speed like? What's his agility like? And then, obviously, in the five-on-fives, can he go out there and at least show me something that you can look at and take away and be like, all right, that's an NBA-level skill? Like, can he be an NBA-level rim protector? Will he be going up there and, and and having a high motor? Like, if he's showing that he has a high motor, that would make me inclined to move him up on my draft board. If Absolutely. he's up there, you know, being very physical on the defensive end, maybe that, you know, puts me to, to move him up up on his draft board. Uh, maybe if he's, you know, getting balls and getting the chance to, you know, work from the, the elbow and, and attacking from there, maybe that would, you know, incline me to put him up. Uh, on my draft
2: one board. of the things I, I'd i love to see is him to continue to you know spread out his shot a little bit you know mm-hmm. he has a decent free throw rate uh, I think he was shooting just shy 77 percent in college yep so on, on on four attempts a game I think that's one area where it's like okay you see there the core mechanics of a shot aren't bad so you have hope that you know in the future he's not going to be limited to just being a rim runner at the NBA level just yep. completely as a limited player so it, as long as that shot can you know may, maybe if he takes a 12-foot jumper I would I would love that in a five and five game stretch it out, add that extra dynamic to that game consistently, and we'll see what happens. Because I mean, he is offensively pretty pretty polished, like you said, from from the you know within three feet in that protected area. So I'd love to see him be able to take a step back and work on that shot.
1: Yeah, he went he went nine of twenty from three in college, which was good for forty five percent. Um, and he had a couple of games where you know he went one one, even had a game where he went two two for two against Old Dominion.
2: Um, to be fair, a ton, I'm going to asterisk that with those are wide open looks in most cases. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I'm not taking his three-point percentage. You said 9 of 20. That's got to be like 40-something 40 percent. 45. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm not buying that. But oh no, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying the fact that he has shown the range yeah. to make. He's at least it. willing to take shots, which yeah. is better than some
1: could say about and Ben hey, Simmons. You know, exactly I'm just taking shots. But even then, like you know, ten of twenty in general, yeah. he was willing to take twenty shots, and nope. he and he he made it, you know, almost half of them. Absolutely. Um, so not saying that that's a skill that's there, or yeah. that's something that you can tangibly take into the NBA, but. It is something that he might be able to work on, at least when you're talking about shooting um, and extending his range. Maybe he doesn't become a stretch five in, in any stretch of the means, but maybe he will be able to at least expand his game in the NBA and be able to be a mid-range shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that it will definitely be able to watch for. And, and Charles bassett the biggest thing is just give me something against higher competition that I can latch on to. Because he had a couple games against UCF where you know that was a tournament team that gave Duke a lot of trouble. And he went out there and put up 25 points. and that And that was extremely impressive, but... I watched that tape and I didn't I wasn't really too impressed because the guy that he was mostly going up against was Taco Fall and Taco Fall is, you know, obviously a very good rim protector because he's seven fucking six. <laughs> yeah. But it's Charles Bassie is just quicker than him and yeah. way more physical than him because of his size. Yeah. Um but Taco Fall also isn't going in the first two rounds of this draft. So, I don't I don't think we should be talking about him like, you know, a crazy world-beating performance out there from Charles Bassey. So, uh you're going to be interested to see what he brings to the table. Absolutely. Um, Let's move to Darius Baisley. Uh, Baisley, also a top-20 recruit, did not go to Syracuse. Pulled out, kind of like Mitchell Robinson, was going to work solely on his, uh, his his NBA draft workouts. There was talk that he might go to the G League. He pulled out fully of that and then became an intern for New Balance, signed a million-dollar contract. He has his own YouTube channel, so check him out. He's, he's, he's pretty uh, personable in some ways. Uh, I mean, it's nothing. It's no great content, no groundbreaking content, but it's hey. not. Hey, he's no Jimmy Butler on YouTube. Yeah, he that's that's some professional polish. He's also having fun. Yeah, uh, but but let's look at Basley. What do you need to see out of Darius to to from this combine to show that he's ready for the NBA? Are you looking for a Mitchell Robinson type performance from the combine? Obviously, they're different players. One's seven foot tall. Yeah, playing five. Basley's more of a three four. Um, what are you looking for out of him? Is it like his shot, agility, all
2: around game? I think there's a lot to be seen on the measurable end, but for me, I'm fully fully focused on that five-on-five. Put him in a game with the elite talent from college, and let me see how he interacts. Let me see if he still has that ball-handling skill that we loved out of him in college. The ability to have a wing out there who can ball-handle as well as he can. High school. I'm sorry, high school. Yes, 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 yes. Out of high school. When he can do that and he can create for himself and he can create for others, that's what adds that giant asterisk to, like, this man's value goes from, right now, we're quietly mocking him second round. You know, we don't know because we haven't seen anything out of him. But if he shows up there and looks good and then we start to see those personal workouts happen after that, there's a real chance he comes all the way back up into the first round anywhere, like, honestly, anywhere to the end of, like, the lottery range. Because I think if you look back at Mitchell Robinson's story that pretty much is what people are going to latch onto and be like look here's a guy who didn't play in college who earned it who deserved it and you guys had him ranked appropriately coming out of high school so nothing changed you should definitely take the pick at you know lottery range for him because he's got the talent so if he can show up in that five on five game show his handles show his ability to create that's what brings it all back to fruition one thing I love about uh, Darius
1: too is uh, he's a lefty shooter. Um, and, and I love those type of guys. Um, I don't know if his mechanics are supreme at all. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be intrigued to see how he shoots from the outside. Yeah. Um, if he can be efficient, at least. I don't know if his, his mechanics are 100% there in the NBA game. It's not super lightning quick or anything like that. Um, it's also not straight up and down. He, he does kind of have a bend mm-hmm. to his elbow. Um, but if he's able to go out there and, and like you say, show that he can be somewhat of a facilitator for a size. That's definitely going to increase his stock. Yeah. I just wonder about the lottery performance. You mentioned that. Who would he really kick out? Like, I mean, I don't know if
2: he can make it to lottery, but yeah. I think the tail end is where I would start to get interested because I think at that I mean, point... I feel like
1: I would need to see a lot from him to put him well, at that level. I
2: think the combines the starting point. Then it's the personal team workouts. It, it's the combo of those two together happening that's really going to make magic happen, if it can happen mm-hmm. for him because... I don't understand why people are so afraid of a player who. Well, I understand. Well, your your whole stance like early on was
1: yeah, you're not going to mock him because you don't
2: know. Yeah, him. I, and I haven't. Yeah. He, he's not been in my in my first round mock the entire year. I'm just waiting until I can actually see him play again. Like that's the big thing. As soon as I see him play, he could look like a stud out there, and I'd be like, "Wow, this kid just schooled RJ Barrett. Like yeah. he's going like 12th, you know? Or or he you know shows up and maybe he can facilitate a little bit." But his shot still isn't quite where we want it to be. and like with that size, if you don't have an outside shot, like how much value are really going to be able to help a team with? So maybe I could see him falling you know 20 to 30 range or even second round again. So it's there's so much unknown about him, but at the same time, I look at where he was ranked, what he did in high school, and I have to think that the talent's still there. and if he's been working with personal trainers and coaches for an entire year, that means he's had more time on the court. Than any actual player in college, the question is just you're not playing against college level competition. So how much can you improve yourself mentally, physically on that court working, you know, one on one basically? That's yeah. the big question. Is that that's a whole that shows I think a lot more about him mentally being able to force himself to get up every day, go work out. I know the new balance million dollar thing, like dope, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think it shows a lot that you can get up on your own and work to improve your game. Rather than just throughout the year, you see those small improvements from players in college. Do you think of, how how much do you think a bad
1: performance hurts them then? Because like, what if he's not up to game speed? What if he's yeah. not ready to play to play against these guys?
2: Yeah, then 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 you're sitting in the second round, hundred percent. Like you're 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 one of those guys who is like ah oh, thirty to forty to forty five even. Like, yeah. Honestly, if he he doesn't have many opportunities to show his game, that's why it's so critical that he hits it here. I think he's one of the most dependent players. On a good combine performance because just there's no tape of you out there, so we need to see you play against someone.
1: Yeah, I don't know what if, if, what Zion's deal is going to be in the in the combine, but you know if if Darius Basley's first game out there five on five is going up against Zion Williamson, yikes, that might be very scary for him, and that might really kill his his draft stock. I don't know if if Zion will be participating in that. Uh Just how Zion just shows no, up to jump? Yeah, I mean he has real no need to. I think that's what he's <laughs> going to be doing, and we'll definitely talk about that soon. Um, but he, he's definitely going to be uh, a player to watch out there, uh, Darius Basley is. I think it's Basley. Basley. We'll figure it out. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Let's move to the next one. Bull Bull, our favorite player out of Oregon. He was the fourth player um, in the 2018 uh, recruiting class. Um, obviously, he had his time in Oregon. Played seven games? Twelve games?
2: Played a couple games. Yeah, played, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it
1: up. Play, played like first seven games of Oregon and then injured his foot. Did not return. Uh, he's nine. Seven, three. Played nine games for Oregon. Freshman. Obviously the son of Manute Bolt. Dave, you're in love with him. What do you need to see from Bol Bol at the Combine to kind of secure his spot? Because I know you're ready to put him at six to the Washington Wizards if the draft lottery doesn't change. We know there's odds. We know that it might change. We're we're not saying that these things will happen. (laughs) Jesus Christ, you can't have a fucking lottery prediction just have fun with it. Um. But at, Gee, least, Sean. at least with you, let's say the wizards stick at six. You've been wanting to put Bull Bull there. If he has a good combine performance, would you be, you know, easy, you know, it would be easy for you to fall asleep having Bull Bull six if he has a good combine performance. Yeah. <sighs> like what are you looking for?
2: Honestly, I don't need to see a ton out of him. That's that's my problem is I'm going in with low expectations. Like I get it, he hurt. He he got hurt this year and it was just, you know, Foot injuries suck for big men. So how well can you move out there at all? Literally, it's just going to show me, like, where are you on the recovery train? But I'm not super worried. I'm at the same point where I'm like, look, I get it. I I would have taken Joel Embiid early. Injury be damned. Like, it doesn't matter. One year of an injury throughout a player's career is a complete wash to not take him, you know, in the draft. I think that if you you truly believe that it will be a career, you know, uh, career hampering injury where it's going to continue on or lead to additional injuries and severely hamper him from hitting his potential, then yeah, that's your right to say that's not my thing. But if it's like, yeah, I'm going to miss the next, you know, three months while I continue to rehab this stuff and, you know, maybe I'll rejoin the team, you know, for the start of the season, maybe I need a little bit more time to polish up and we'll work my way in. I'm not going to blink an eye at that. So if he shows up and looks, you know, like he can move around again, great. If he's just, you know, there to get measured and show his freakishly long wingspan, I'm cool with that too. I I just I don't really think he needs to do a lot from my end, but I have a very different outlook on him than a lot of people do. So Sean, I think you're more in the majority with your cautions and concerns <laughs> about, you know, a 7-foot 3 man staying healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing is I don't really need to see much out of him in the combine. What? I just want to be able to see that he can go out there and be healthy. And and if he's out there and is healthy, that's a big thing for me is, is just making sure he's not dealing with the effects of this injury still because if he's able to recover then hey people have injuries people get you know banged up you know foot injuries happen with big men your you know your feet are all all the way around the basket guys are jumping up fall down i mean obviously i don't think that was the case of this but um if he's able to be out there healthy and just showed what he did in those first nine games then i'd be happier putting in my top 10 Mm -hmm. i think he is a top six talent i think that's where i put him at the big board yeah um and without a doubt, I mean, he's talented. You have a 7'3 player that easily shoots 52% from three. He's a guy that is an offensive wizard Think out how there.
2: stupid that sounds.
1: It's insane. I mean, he's, he's an offensive wizard. I mean, he's got a great mid-range uh, game. He's got a great uh, post-up game. He's got a great, you know, smooth uh, transition from, you know, uh, posting up to turning around and hitting a jumper. He can um, put he, the ball he in the face court. up as well. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. he could dribble. Um, he's he's just very fluid offensively and and even defensively as well. He's not a guy that gets totally blown by and if you do blow by him, he's seven three and has a 710 wingspan and can stuff you. Um, yeah. I just worry about his strength and hey if he comes out and he looks yoked um, and he, and he's able to you know body up some guys, then he's probably gonna move up. if he's able to go out there and play 20 minutes of some five on fives and just look you know healthy out there, that's gonna be huge for me too. I just worry that this might be a lingering effect on him, mm-hmm. and that he might not be able to fully contribute out there, and that would start to worry me. That this is, you know, supposed to be a four month injury, and now this is still hurting you into May when you were injured in November. Yeah. Um, if that is still the case, December, and it doesn't look January, like he's out of shape,
2: March, what's it? Yeah, I just gotten months out loud. Oh yeah, it's been six. It's been six.
1: Um, if if he's if he looks out of shape out there, then I could probably write that off. But if he looks like he's just not ready to play and he looks like he's just you know lost out there mm-hmm. and he looks like he's lost a step, then that's what's gonna be concerning me. I just wanna make sure that he's healthy out there. And that's what I'm gonna really keyed on uh, in watching Bobo on the 16th and 17th. Uh, let's move now to Brian Bowen. He was the 21st prospect in the 2017 recruiting class. We went to Louisville, um, got caught up in a scandal of being paid, or at least his family being pl- played, led into the firing of Rick Patino. He then went to go play for the Sydney Kings in Australia. He now got an invite to the NBA Draft Combine. Six seven small forward, pretty good shooter. Um, what are you looking for for Brian Bowen out of this?
2: I, I'd like to see him compete more as a as a as a team player. And I, I feel bad, to keep saying like five and five because that is the big thing. Because he's played in Australia, and to give you guys some context, you know he was a role player in Australia. He's only putting up six points and three boards. You know he had a an okay time there. I think there's a couple explosive plays of him, but at the same time I look at him and I go, "All right, this guy screams second rounder or like undrafted free agent because he might want to pick where he goes to see what offers come his way." I don't know that I have the same you know first round evaluation from where he was in high school to where he is now and what I've seen out of him playing against grown men in Australia.
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing too is what effect is this going to have on his career? Because we've seen so many times that. You know, obviously, this is a huge thing, and that he he truly believes he did nothing wrong and shouldn't have been left, you know, out to dry. It little, yeah. um, and then he had to move away from his family, you know, move to Australia, move away from the country he's from. He was he's from uh, Indiana, and I just worry about what effect that will have on his on his life. Maybe it will be a negative one. Maybe he's just is completely shook by this whole thing. He's untrusting of agents and everybody around him, and that could lead to him really struggling to. Go into a workplace in the NBA and be able to be a part of a team yeah. if he's not going to be able to trust people. Um, I know this is getting super psychologist and, you know, armchair psychology and all that stuff. is all about playing basketball, but that does affect you out there. You need to be able to be a good teammate. And, and, and I'm not yeah. saying that you know, any of this is his fault, but you know it is something that is a concern out there. And at least in high school and what I saw from him, he's pretty quick. He's got a quick shot. He, he's, he's not afraid to pass the ball. I just wonder if he is... Too small to play the three. Um, he's six seven, obviously, but I don't know if he's big enough. I don't know if he plays big enough. He plays more like a a guard, and that's my worry. Is is he, yeah. is he more like a six seven guard? And then if he's a shooting guard, if he's a, playing two guard at six seven, is he qu- then quick enough to play with like the C.J. McCullums, the Clay Thompsons? Uh, is he that l- elite of an athlete to be playing that position in the NBA? Yeah. And that's what I'm be looking for, at least in the combine, is. What are his measurables going to end up being? Is he going to be 6'7"? What's his wingspan going to be like? Um, I don't think he was really an elite defender coming out of high
2: school. No, I mean, he was basically Um, just, it it was a lot of offensive production because he's a great slasher, and when he does pull up, uh, it was on a dime. Like, I'll give him credit. His offensive game had something to it, but like you said, if he's not building up mass and able to keep his body in shape uh, not in shape, but like physically build up as a six seven guy. Yeah, like when he's trying to slash in the NBA, going up against much bigger bodies, how are you going to be able to hold well, up? In
1: his high school, at least measurements was six seven one ninety five. You yeah. can't be that small, no. at least as a three. So, uh, what's his what's his body now looking like? Is he is he up to that like two fifteen range? Is he is he adding more muscle onto his body? That's gonna be the biggest thing. Is how is he actually looking? And what, does he have the look of an NBA player? Because I think at least his quickness. Was there before his, his his shot was there before. Um, he was a willing passer as well. He could be a really interesting offensive bench player piece. Yeah. Um, and maybe hell if he if he comes out and he's extremely motivated by what happened to at Louisville when going overseas was a real culture shock and him coming back he just wants to make sure he makes it in the league make a statement. Maybe that does propel him. Maybe he has that motor that puts him over to the next level and he becomes a start in the NBA. Um, I could
2: honestly see this guy be like. He'll work his way up from the G League style, like he's yeah. a second round pick, and they give him minutes down the G League. He continues to build up his game, and he can definitely give like solid minutes throughout the season.
1: There, there are a lot of positives to him, yeah. And there, and the negatives are just like, is each you know, what position does he play? Because if he is able to find his position and he's big enough, I think he has the athleticism, and you know, he might have that next level motivation to get him to that level. Like and character wise,
2: we're pretty much right off as like, I don't really blame him for anything that went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not putting any onus on him. Like, yeah, it, we know it's a bad system already, and the fact that he was just the one who got caught, eh?
1: Yeah, I mean, right? he's, not only, he's not the only one taking money. Yeah, even, and and he he still claims to not be taking money. So,
2: I mean, imagine I, if like DeAndre Ayton got caught with the uh, the monthly payments. You I mean, know, well he was he did, just no. no well he was in college, oh, like yeah, yeah. while he was about to go to college, like uh we noticed there was a large sum of money deposit <laughs> to a bank account before he played a game. Like what would happen then? Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, let's move to a different guy, Brandon Clark. The biggest reason why I brought him up is because I'm wondering what his measurables are going to be like. Yeah, um, because we're
2: guessing what like six eight.
1: Yeah, six, six eight, eight height with a what wingspan? Two thirty. Oh, two oh 230, I don't know, 230 yeah. pounds, and then like six eleven wingspan. So, I, mean, I have a tough time guessing these things, but yeah. what what I'm worried what I'm wondering is what is his body going to be like? Is he going to be able to be uh, not sorry not his body because I'm not really too worried about his actual body. But I what, say he is older is, than
2: most guys, so he's a little more developed physically. Mm-hmm. You know, he is what he is. I think at this point, I'm for the wondering most part.
1: what his measurables are going to be like. Is he going to be you know what's his speed you know testing like what's his vertical like? If he is able to show that he has elite intangibles when it comes to his, his athleticism that will help that production so much and will make it so much easier for him to be a top ten pick.
2: It range. he's a tweener. Like nobody wants to be like, yep, you're a small ball five for us or mm-hmm. you're gonna be our four, even though in your game is more old school and and we we're concerned about you stretching out the floor and causing, you know, problems as far as our spacing is concerned. And I think that if you can get that, like, if you do see those special abilities from him at the combine, the special measurables and tangibles, yeah. if you put it, you know, that will go a long way. I think a lot of teams are just concerned to take that next step and be like, yeah, we're rolling out the the 6'9 guys our center. Like, if, he, if his wingspan, or I'm sorry, if his standing reach comes in at a decent rate, that's going to help him a ton. Mm-hmm. Because you need someone who can rim protect. And he's already elite. From an instinctual point like he is he has got it down he is yeah. one of the best defenders in college, but if you can guarantee that n b a level reach then you're in then you're in the money, then you're absolutely gonna get rolling in the dough,
1: yeah, and one thing too is like if when it comes to these shooting drills, let's say he has those next level elite uh you know intangibles uh, at least when it comes to athleticism, and then he's able to show like, hey, I even got a shot out here, Gonzago right. holding me back I all that I'm just saying.
2: I don't know about uh, that. He, he was a decent free throw shooter. He, he can um, he can drive with the ball in his hands. Other, yeah. other than that, I, I'm not not expecting him to pull up and drop a J. I'm just saying. I'm just saying if he goes out
1: there and has like a Jamal Murray <laughs> level combine, what he made 93 of 100 in the uh,
2: something in the, in the Celtics thing. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean those it, numbers were all wonky. Yeah. I mean it's not going to happen. Um, I, I I just again his his next level uh, you know metrics were off the charts. Um, and he wasn't a great free throw shooter. I was making that up. Uh, yeah, he's, I didn't he's think so. Se- he was around seventy percent, which is decent for a big man. But yep, um, I doubt he's going to be a great shooter. I, I just I, I wonder if he is that next level of athleticism. I think teams would not would not question taking him to be their small ball five. And yeah, that, that's something that's going to be extremely huge room. But it's I mean, not this really is a class five on fives.
2: Yeah, this is a class where you have got six nine guys who are you know p- looking at playing a three in the NBA, and mm-hmm. this is a guy who you're thinking is going to be your five. I mean, that's I know we're positionless basketball people, but like. You don't. You do have to give a, a moment of pause because you can't just make that work on every team. Yeah, like you. You have to have a system. You have to have the personnel around it to support it. And I think we've been mocking him specifically to a team that would fit that in our minds with the Timberwolves. Yeah,
1: God, I would love that fit. Um, let's move now to the next one in Darius Garland, kind of like Bobo. Um, had a meniscus tear. Apparently now, ESPN, the guys from Draft Express, mentioned that it might have been an MCL, Ooh. which is even worse. Yep. Um, so Garland is invited. We're not sure what his status is. What are you looking for from Darius Garland? Is it health? Is it being
2: out there? Do I mean, if, if he's everything? healthy enough to attend and and you know fully participate, that will be great. Um, I want to see a shooting. I want to see him take a hundred shots in a gym, just crank him out back to back to back to back because. I need to know if what I saw this season, uh, out of the few games that he did play, was what I can expect, or was that the aberration? Like, was that where where is the true norm at? Because normally, when you talk about shot uh, selection and shot size, you need to have somewhere in the range of 200 plus shots to really find out where a player, you know, is at least close to ending up at 300. the, The higher you get on their count, the closer you get to what they really are. And when you have such a small sample size, the numbers can be inflated. We look at him, and I I'm hoping that I see a player who is a great shooter from the outside. We want him to be like a mini Dame, you know. We want him mm-hmm. to be in that prototype of a player. Uh, in the back of my head, I've got like one percent saying like, you know, what if he comes out and he shoots like Romeo Langford? And I'm like, yeah. oh no! Like, what if he what if he just bricks a shit ton from three? Yeah. I know Romeo obviously come out uh, and said he'd play the whole season hurt uh, with his. Uh, thumb um, on his shooting hand but at the same time i had i'm just like you know what if he has that moment where it's just like here's your opportunity and he chokes on it and it's just like dude we're all mocking you like five through ten and that could absolutely tank his stock if he chooses to I'm, attend and is not fully healthy and and you know makes him a misstep there
1: i'm not worried about that i'm more worried about as long as his mechanics are fine shooting yeah i'd give me a Okay, I, I love I love his mechanics. That's all that matters. You to saw me. enough
2: tape of him in high um, school
1: to be confident. It could just be rust, you know. Okay. Like if he goes out there and you know maybe he's too much in his head, uh, maybe he can break some shots. But if the mechanics are still there, yeah. he's got great mechanics. He's got a, such a quick release. It's is that a great handle too? Yeah. he
2: can find openings.
1: So that's the thing that I like about him. And, yeah. and, and I think the biggest thing for me for Garland is obviously same with Bulbul. He's got to be healthy out there. That's that's the biggest thing. Can can he contribute out there and, and just be a, 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 a player out there? Not even like a, a star, but can he just be a player out there? Because you're coming back from injury. I'm not expecting too much. But then also, what is his size going to be? Because what if he's you know comes out there and he's like actually like six feet tall? Because apparently we've seen like he's, yeah. he's like six three. three. Air but he quoted. doesn't look 6'3. No. So I'm wondering what his actual size is. Is he a mini Dame? Or is he actually the same size as Dame? Is he actually 6'3? That would actually change massively yeah. uh, his draft stock. Because this guy's a 6'3 guard and not six six feet tall, and he's got a you know, like at least a six three wingspan, six wingspan, he might shoot up. Um true. I, I think teams, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I mean, like he might be the fourth best prospect in teams' minds um just because he's got that deadly deadly shooting from the outside and if he is bigger and he yeah. he might be same size as you know let's say Ja um you know he he might be fighting for for a top 5 spot and if he's able to seal that with you know 3 more inches uh that could be absolutely huge for Garland so I, i'm really curious to what his actual size is going to be like let's move to a guy we haven't talked about too much and that's Quentin Grimes uh Grimes was a highly recruited uh player uh coming out of college i want to get the actual list out here um, I went to 2017, so let me just pull up 2018. Uh, Quentin Grimes, though, was at Kansas. Had a disappointing year, uh, but he was the eighth-ranked prospect uh, by Rivals.com going into the season. Uh, Grimes was not great at Kansas. The whole team kind of underperformed. Yeah. What are you looking for with Grimes uh, coming into the NBA draft? Because this is a guy that we haven't really talked about this year uh, at, at not all. Not since very
2: early. <laughs>
1: yeah, we haven't talked about him. He was in our way-too-early mock draft. Uh, reported as six five two ten. 2'10". Uh, a guard. I, I probably leaned more towards a two guard uh, yeah. than a one guard. Yeah. Uh, scored eight point four points in thirty six games, thirty eight percent from the field. Yikes. Thirty four percent from the three. Uh, not bad. Uh, and then sixty percent from the the line, which is also a, a big yikes. Uh, two assists per game. Point two blocks. Point six steals. So uh, uh, you know, an offensive guard, not really a point guard, more of a, a two guard. Um, he's got size six five. But what are you looking for uh, out of the combine in Quentin Grimes?
2: I really want to see where he comes in on the speed drills. I think he's a player who can contribute to teams. You said offensive. I think that if he has a chance to hit the NBA level, he has to show that he's a two-way player. And if he can hit on the speed drills, being his size at 6'5", and being able to move laterally, being able to cover as much ground as he potentially could, I think there's a chance for him to hit the NBA level. I know his shooting percentages this year were incredibly disappointing. But I think he's physically there. I think he needs to get there from a um, from a, a mechanic standpoint. Mm. With him, I, I I believe that he probably should go back. You know, I know he's probably not going to, but like I think he'd be best off getting another year of working and trying to you know lock up his game, just tighten up a lot of what he's doing because he had had he has had open looks in college. He has had those opportunities to be the number one on a team, and it's just like yeah, this is not. Not looking good. He's had a couple of games where he's putting up, you know, 21. His first game in college. I mean, you couldn't look better coming out of the gates. He had 6 of 10 from 3. Like, against Michigan State. That That is a moment to come mm-hmm. out and say, I'm here. I'm a legitimate talent. And then you just watch it just dwindle. His role shrunk. His shot selection got poor. And then he had a couple games in the middle of the year. Bounced back. But, like, he never really hit, you know, where he was supposed to be as a college athlete. So, I I, I need to see him a lot of speed, a lot of effort. And him being able to do well in ball drills because if he can do that for me, it says I can work with this guy and I can, you know, he might be first round talent, but he showed nothing to me in college. Yeah. So I might be able to get him as a steal and, you know, second round and work with him. And in two, three years from now. He could be worth a contract. The biggest thing that hurts him is his sc- his size and his actual you know
1: body. I think that's the thing that hurts him because you know we've seen guys this year that come out and mm-hmm. just aren't living up to where they were ranked as yeah. prospects. And this year, little obviously comes to mind. Cam Reddish obviously comes to mind. Quentin Grimes, though, very similar player, did not live up to that hype. Yep. But he falls all the way out of the first round. Totally becomes a second round player. We we. End up not talking about him at all. We don't have him in our in our one and he's a guy that I think that if he was a three, and let's say he was more six seven six eight, he'd probably still be a first round talent because as that NBA body, but being six yeah. five, not being a two way player and just being a you know a, a scorer pretty much, it's kind of in the same vein as you know Romeo Langford, but just with less production.
2: Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's just the value of the position today in the NBA. The two is not something mm-hmm. that is in dire need. We see teams being successful when you pair a great point guard with a great wing, and without without that height and size, you're right. He he's he's well, lost value just on a base level. And going to that, and the next guy we're talking about is Tyler Hero, and that's
1: a guy with production. That's yeah. a guy that has an elite skill at that two guard position. Absolutely. of shooting. So. Let's talk about that. I mean, Grimes doesn't have that elite skill. He doesn't have that elite three-point shooting skill. Hero does. What are you looking for from Hero? The biggest thing that I'm looking at is how well does he test as an athlete? Because obviously we saw Dante DiVincenzo come out. He made himself a first-round pick uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks that year having a great combine yeah, he I don't piled
2: think... on from the end of the tournament yeah. into that combine like that man had a, a
1: Cinderella story I don't think Tyler needs that well of a performance he doesn't need a 40 inch vertical but I think he needs to test as as an above average athlete yeah um, in, in some ways I mean, how, just to show even, that even
2: how well Grayson Allen did at the combine yeah. last year I mean he was a guy who rose up boards because of his combine performance older player but still uh, an elite, you know, shooter in college, and Tyler Hero definitely hits that mark. But I, I wonder, you know, the wingspan—is it as short as people are saying? Is he a negative wingspan kind of player? And I—that scares me. I, and it's weird because you look at him, and I'm like, I think he's like plus one, plus two. I think he's going to be okay. But if it comes back that he's short, just that that doubt falls back in. It's like okay, so defensively, like you're already on an effort level kind of a guy. I thought you were. All right, defensively, you're not as bad as people jokingly made it out to be, like JJ Redick bad yeah. in college. But no, I, I, I think that you're right. Give me those measurables. He's a guy who's exactly that. That that's as high as he can go. Is if he measures out well, like we could see him end of the lottery.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about him already. I mean, we talked about him to the Lakers. Um, if they end up sticking it around that 11 spot, you know, LeBron needs a two guard to could shoot. Tyler Hero is that. I think if he if he makes himself that he's a, uh, shows that he's a, a, a good athlete. Um, I think he might be able to get himself in the lottery. I think that's going to be the biggest guy that you look for, at least with those tests, those agility tests, those strength tests, et cetera, um, how he tests out. Let's move to a guy that you guys like. I really don't like him. Taylor Horton Tucker out of Iowa State. What are you looking for out of the combine for Taylor? Talon. 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 What are you looking for from THT?
2: THT. Give me some of that, THT. Um, he needs to look in better shape. That's mm-hmm. step one. Step one is he got picked out the whole year because he is a weird size. He is... Uh, he's a little bit shorter than his weight would, you know, ideally be at. Mm-hmm. So if he comes in slim down a little bit and still measures out in an elite category like we're expecting him to, as far as wingspan to height ratio, then he is in money range. On top of that, if he has a good shot at that point, that's the you know cherry on top. But if he comes in and measures with an elite level wingspan and gets down to a better plane size, I mean he's had he's had a month. You can do a lot of body change in a month, and that I think will decide. If he comes in looking like he's been, you know, enjoying life a little bit too much, and looks just in worse shape than we saw of him during the uh, NCAA season, then this kid is is gonna sink quick. But I, I see him, and I see the potential because he does have such a good uh, a good potential game at the NBA level because of his combo. So. It's just it's training. It's it's how well can he be in the right shape in the right frame of mind and and hit that measurable for a wingspan like spot on.
1: Yeah, I mean I think weight's gonna be a big thing for him. Being six yeah. four two thirty eight, that's not good. Yeah, but he he a big boy. I think I'm intrigued to see what his wingspan ends up being because apparently it's like
2: seven one. Yeah, that's... people are rumoring seven two even, and I'm like that. It would be insane. Absolutely insane. So if he, he's coming he can out, play with two that, through four. Yeah. I, able... I called it. I said PJ Tucker already.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and that's that's what I'm, I'm thinking. But even made possibly even more athletic, yeah. uh, more of a playmaker. Which would yeah. be it took PJ crazy. a while
2: to get into that role. So I think for him, you know, showing that he is committed to himself physically is mm-hmm. is step one.
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the biggest thing is just seeing what his actual wingspan is, and then obviously seeing that motivation. Because if he's able to slim down, I, I'd like him more. It's just I don't think he's going to be quick enough to go up against two guards. Um, he might obviously have that wingspan, but I don't think he's gonna be quick enough to go up against two guards, um, especially to stay in front of them. And I think
2: the he bodies threes and fours, though. It is it's fun to watch his college defensive highlights. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, that's a stupid thing to say out loud because like defensive highlights are usually boring AF yeah. unless it's like a swat into the crowd Zion style. But he's a guy who you're like, how is this gonna play out? And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh okay.
1: But let's say he, you know he goes up against some of these guys that you know are so quick, you know, with turnaround jumpers, posting them up that wingspan is going to be negated. So I, I think he's got to show that he's quick enough and obviously has that wingspan to, to go with it. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the next guy, uh, Mifundu Cabanjale. Uh, I'm fucking that up. Uh, Mifundu Cabanjale uh, yeah. from Florida State, forward, uh, sophomore 6'10", 250, uh, from uh, Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Uh, shout out Canada. Um, this is a guy that people really like. Uh, had a good year uh, at Florida State, 13 points per game, about six boards. Uh, one and a half blocks, shooting fifty percent from the field, seventy six percent from the line. Um, interesting player here. A lot of people are high on him. What do you think about
2: Jolly? I'm not as high as uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm a I'm a bit confused on the hype around him. Uh, coming into the late first round, a lot of people want to put him in that twenty to thirty range, and I would say I I don't understand quite what what elite level NBA talent he has. Like what individual piece of his game screams like. This guy is an NBA-level player because I think he's a good college player. There's a difference between a good college player, a good, well-rounded college player, and someone who has an elite NBA-level skill. And I don't know, I can't pinpoint that watching his games. He's had a couple of fantastic highlight uh, real games, but throughout the whole year, there's nothing that stood out to him, to me. And I, I could be wrong, I'm not, a, I'm not a professional scout here, but mm-hmm. watching what I did watch, I, I just didn't see enough to, out of him that you know screamed first-round talent.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is a lot of his damage comes in the post. And if he was a 6'10 guy doing this stuff from the wing, then I'd be much more intrigued. But he just screams more of a, a center to me. I mean, obviously, he's got a, a pretty decent sh- stroke from the outside, um, but it's mostly just spot-up shooting. I, I don't see a ton of them offensively that screams like a guy that can really do a ton of damage outside of you know post-ups and turnaround jumpers and then obviously just catch and shoot from the outside. I, I, I don't really know what his game is. I don't think he has a well-rounded game. You talk about scoring at three levels. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to score on three levels by himself because a lot of it's entry passes or kickouts um, yeah. that his offense is. And he's definitely intriguing. Again, got 6'10". Um, he doesn't know how to get to the line per, to pretty pretty his own benefit, too. though. That's, yeah, and he's good at the line. Yeah. I, ju- I just wonder about his, you know, his ability to create for himself, and I, I don't think that exists right now.
2: Yeah, no, I think he's got, I mean, I'm not saying he can't pan out, but I think he's a guy who needs to continue building his game. It might be in the G League. It might be coming off the bench at the NBA level, but I don't understand the first-round hype around that.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's worth the first round, and also the fact that he's 6'10 and only grabbing six boards. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> it's, um,
2: look who's on the team.
1: I know, but it's still, I, I don't see him <laughs> as an elite rebounder. Um, I don't see him really rising up, grabbing balls. I think he's, you know, typically some of these these rebounds he's grabbing – it's right place, right time. Um and that's that, that's what I see out of him. Um, he's he's definitely a project, I would say. Um and, and he, you talk about, you know, if he selected and goes to the G League and is able to build up, he'd definitely be more interesting to me. Um, but I, I still see him as a second rounder. But if he comes out, you know, in the combine yep. and is able to show some ball handling skills in the five on fives, then I might be a little bit more intrigued. But right now, I eh iffy. Yeah. Um Let's move to Louis King. This is Ricky's guy. I feel bad that he's not here to talk about him. That's all right. Um, Louis King, I think the biggest thing is those five-on-fives for me. He's got to show that he can be an elite ball handler and a guy that can go to the bucket and score. Because um, he could shoot already. I know he could shoot. But can he be a guy that, with his wingspan, with his size, yeah. can he get to the bucket? Can he score against you know the 66 best NBA prospects in the league? That's what I'm really intrigued by with Lewis King.
2: yeah. Everybody wants to just paint him as like, well, he, he's raw enough because he, he was so young and at the same time, like he had the injury. So basically, we haven't gotten to see the best of him yet. You know, even though he did come back, he played half a year, basically. Um, it's a bummer we didn't get to see him and Bull Bull together. I think that, that Oregon team would have been mm-hmm. deadly. But I look at him and I just see like, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good wing prospect. There's, is there a lot to be desired out of his game? Absolutely. He's not going to be the guy on any team, but he can be a good role player. Um, and, you know, a couple of years down the line, he may be a starting role guy. Like, I don't want to... I'm always bad at this because I always give, like, bad, bad comps, but, like, yeah. he could build up his game similar to how, like, Rocco did. Rocco came mm-hmm. in the league as a limited offensive player uh, purely on his defensive uh, ability and continue to build up his shot over time. And I think Louis King's a guy who knows how to drive to the bucket, so it's not as three point oriented as uh Roko. But I mean he is shooting five a game in college. So I have to think that like he could be a three and D prospect out there for people who are hoping to strike a gem, you know, later in this draft. It doesn't it, it's not too far off of what Terrence Ferguson turned into later this year, you know? Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I think looking at where he stands right now in Lewis King, Um I, I think the biggest thing that I would see from him is you know we saw Troy Brown come out and Troy Brown obviously was a completely different player, but at least being that wing from Oregon, we didn't see enough of Troy Brown. Well, he's to a
2: ball handling stand out. Yeah, yeah. A different player.
1: Um, but what I, what I'm trying to say is like I, I think that Lewis King has the body, he has the potential. Yeah, that's all great. I think that. Personally, he's a guy that you go back to college because I think the best place for him to grow would be a place that he could dominate and say, all right, this is what I'm great at. Yeah. Right now, I don't think he can say that. I think all he can say is, I have the NBA body to do this. And hey, go get paid. I'm yeah. not, I'm never going to be in the situation that you are to go get paid Correct. in the NBA. Go get paid when you want to go get paid. If you, But if you have the luxury of taking that next chance and, and going back to Oregon, if he has that ability— I think that is something that would be well taken for him because I think that he needs to be able to go and dominate somewhere and gain that next level confidence. And I don't think he was able to do that this year in Oregon yet, but I think if he goes back, he would be able to at least have that ability too. Do you think he could put up like to.
2: 20 in college?
1: I, I think he has the skills too. I think he's quick enough. I think he can get to the bucket. I think he's yeah. a good enough shooter. Um, I just worry about, you know, can he be aggressive enough and i didn't see him be aggressive enough in college and that's the biggest thing and and hey maybe he goes out and he's super aggressive in these five on fives if he does that then fuck it he's a first round pick but yeah i I worry about his aggressiveness and i worry about his ability to take over a game i haven't seen that yet and i think that he could do that in oregon next year and if you have that confidence then maybe it transfers to uh to your draft stock rising and, and and your sophomore year of college i feel like he could be like a deandre hunter in some ways um of where Uh-oh. he was slept on, or Jared Culver, where yeah. he slept on, not really seen as a, a prospect in his freshman year, mm-hmm. then goes back and then dominates and, and and takes that next step. That's what I what I could see him as, like because I mean he is a very talented uh, kid, 100, um, and he's a guy that you look at what he was doing and, and and where he was ranked at least when it comes to you know prospects levels, um, highly rated uh, kid. I mean he's he's got the body, like we were saying, he's got the ability to drive. Uh, and all that great stuff I and mean, he was coming in he was uh no i just had it right here uh he was the 25th prospect in, in in the the you know prospects from the 2018 class so yeah um he was right above kobe white so the kids got talent without a doubt uh let's move now to uh, romeo langford one of the higher ranked players in the, the the prospects the biggest thing for this kid is shooting right
2: yeah i mean it just once i understood that he was playing the year on an injured thumb it sort of made me want to just like double check and be like uh do i really dislike him or is it the fact that like what what else about his game was giving me fits? Because it was the problem of he was, you know, Scream to Rosen level production. He's going to be real good from that mid-range, and he's got a decent low post ability mm-hmm. to get to the hoop. But at the same time, like, the three-point shots just were not landing for him consistently. So knowing now what I know, looking back at his games... Yeah, I mean, if, as long as he as long as he looks all right out there, like he's probably gonna go back up again.
1: Yeah, the biggest thing with me with him is I, I want to see how great of an athlete is he is. Um, I want to see those tests, the strength and speed test. Um, I don't really care that much about the shooting because I think he's just a bad shooter in general, and that's something what? he's gonna need to fix in general. He's got a really bad stroke. Like his his mechanics are fucked, so he needs to build those back up. It's not Lonzo he needs to ball ball go bro. see our boy uh, Drew Hanlon ah. and, and, and fix that shot. Um, that's the biggest thing that he needs off season work, and hey, maybe he's already started putting that in. But he he had that thumb surgery that he might not even participate here. But yeah. I want to see how good of an athlete he is. Is he a next level, one of the most athlete athletes out of these sixty six yeah, guys? I because agree. if he is, then I think that's willing to you know move him up because. That shows that hey, maybe he is going to be able to have the ability to be a great defender. And if we fix his shot, he can be you know a, an all around stud offensively. Yeah. So that's what Absolutely moved him agree. up on the board. Like you know, people were saying that he might be Kobe. Not saying he is Kobe, but there were uh, yeah. Kobe was yeah, there. there Kobe Stan as, as, as defending him properly. Uh, if he's able to show that he has that athleticism to make you know what Kobe was, Kobe. Yep. Um, and obviously, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. But if he if he's able to be an elite athlete in this class. Um, I think that's going to be huge for his draft stock. He might come back into the lottery. Because right now we have him outside of the lottery. Yep. Uh, let's now look, go to uh, Jalen Leck, uh, point guard out of New Hampshire. Um, interesting player here. Um, he's exploring his NBA draft eligibility. He was an NC State recruit. He committed to NC State. Um, and now they're waiting to hear if he's eligible, is what his dad said. said and now he's been invited to the draft combine. Uh, so, he was 34th recruit uh, according to ESPN 100, um, and now he believes he is eligible for the 2019 draft. He's currently a fifth-year player in high school at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. Yep. Seems like he is. He reclassified, and, and now, uh, you know, he's he's looking like he's going to be draft-eligible. So... What are you looking for with Jalen? Like you compared him to Amari Simmons, at least for the fact that he was a five-year player. Yep. Um, what do you see in his game, though?
2: Uh, incredibly explosive. They, they don't play anything alike. It was just that, yeah, the fact that they're yeah. five-year players. Um, from a gameplay standpoint, Jalen hilariously explosive. I love that people have decided to give him the nickname of like Mini Westbrook uh, because or Baby Westbrook. Either mm-hmm. way, hilarious because he does he jumps off the ground at an incredible rate, and I think he's one of those guys he who looks
1: like Darius Garland.
2: Really. Oh, the, the, from a facial standpoint? the picture.
1: The picture in Rivals. I know you can't see it. <laughs> I can kind of see it. They kind of got rounder faces.
2: All right, maybe, maybe. Um, Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I ain't sure about that. I'll be honest. It's it's been a long time since I've looked at those photos. Um, I think that he has got potential to absolutely wow people though, because he is an explosive player. His highlight reels is, is just dunks, 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 more dunks. Uh, so what I want to see is him playing against grown, more grown men. Like, I would absolutely love to see him go up in the five-on-five five games, but at the same time, his vert, incredibly important. How well, like, is he strong enough to do X amount of reps? I think all around, like, he needs to really show up because as a as a young talent going into this without having that college-level competition, he's the same age as these guys. He just didn't have the level of competition spotlight on him, so mm-hmm. he really needs to stand out here. Like, he is on the same level uh, as Darius Baisley, 100%.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing that will intrigue me with him is I, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a first-round talent. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. I could be wrong about that, but I, I don't think teams will grade him at that, mm-hmm. that that level. I just wonder about how quick his shot actually is because he doesn't seem like he's a quick pull-up shooter. Um, and that worries me instantly because we've seen 6'4 guys that are incredibly athletic not be able to be great passers and that hurts their their ability to be effective. Uh they're not great shooters, that hurts their ability to be effective, they're just athletes. <laughs> right. Dennis Smith Jr. Um yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that he's wearing the number one signed to NC State just screams Dennis Smith Jr. to me. Yikes. And not saying that, you know, obviously Dennis Smith Jr is a top ten talent, but I think the fact that you know, he didn't have college experience, Jalen Luck, that will probably bring him down to the second round. I think there's too many questions with him, and I don't think they'll be answered at the NBA draft combine.
2: Fair enough. I mean, Anthony, you fall in love with that, and you see how, how high he went. Mm-hmm. But he was— he 24. He was, he was dynamic from the outside, though. Yeah. And I think that's what's different. Like, Anthony shot so clear, so clean, so quick. Like, that's what made him special. Uh, and he set—the majority of this year was him playing, you know, between G League and sitting on the end of a bench because they just—he needed to build up to an NBA body. Jalen, I think, is a different end of it because he is physical enough to go in— he plays in the paint a lot when he drives. So I'm not sure if he can make it all up to 24, where mm. Anthony went, just purely from a gameplay standpoint.
1: I think Anthony probably didn't go 24, knowing us. Knowing, um, yeah, I was going to say. No, I, he did. Nope. Yeah, he, he went 24. We were right. Hey. For the first time ever. Sean. On an NBA Draft podcast, we were right, baby. Woo. All right. Anyways, let's do the next one. Final one. Uh, not final one. Nasir uh, Little. <laughs> um, I don't care. Dude Dude really? sucks. Oh come on! What do you what 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 can he show you that's going to make him like this lottery prospect again? What's going to shoot him up the draft boards? like I don't you know care. when you know I when a lot of people fell about Nasir Little.
2: Nasir Little, when did people fall in love with him?
1: The Summit Game,
2: exactly. When he got to play against the top talent in the nation, and he went out there and he may have been the only one trying um, for certain plays, but if you put him back out there on the court with basically a lot of the same familiar faces. Do you think he could show up? Do you think he could play up if he got the opportunity in those five-on-fives? Because that's the thing for me. I'm like, look, this is not, you know, the overcoach system. This is you and a bunch of other guys on the court just playing basketball. When the game gets simpler, are you a better player? And I think he would be. Ah? Ah, I it, a little? It's compelling,
1: but what team's going to be like, all right, we're going to simplify our offense and defense. So Nasir Kimball. Like,
2: I'm, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying on. we might get to see more of what we'd hope to see out of him after that summit game.
1: Yeah, that, and, and I think that's a fair point, but will that be able to translate to an actual NBA game? It's a damn good question
2: I, I that a GM
1: has to answer. And I don't think that if I'm drafting top 10, yeah. top 15, I want a guy that you know might need a lot of help to become an NBA player. He might have the skills. He might have the body. But to actually become and take that next step to become an NBA player, I don't know if that's a guy that I want to take a risk on. And and I think Nasir Little, even if he goes out and plays well at this combine, even if he tests as an above average athlete, he's not really telling us stuff that we did not know. He underperformed. So great, you're still that player that we thought you were coming into college, but in college, you were still that same player. You were still that great athlete. You didn't lose any of that. So why didn't you produce? And if it comes down to the fact that, you know, that's, you know, it was too complicated at North Carolina, uh, both offensively and defensively, then how are you going to be able to play in the NBA? How are you going to be able to switch? How are you going to be able to run screens? How are you going to be able to remember all these fucking plays that they run in the NBA? How are you going to remember even rules? Like, (laughs) okay, I don't know. Okay, he is not joking.
2: He's not Mark. He's Chris level like brick IQ of basketball here. Um, I just
1: I, I worry about, you know. I'm not worried. I just don't think he's going to show me enough.
2: Okay. And that's changed my mind. There's a lot riding on his shoulders for this because he underperformed all season long. So, people are, this is the last chance for spotlight before individual team workouts, where I think he probably would look pretty good in individual team workouts. I mean, I think that's a very good opportunity for him to show him outside of a system. So, this is step one. You hit the team workouts. There's a a chance that he goes in, in the top 15. I don't want him to go lottery. I don't, I don't, I know he's got the body to go lottery, but I don't Mm -hmm. think he's got the game. So, yeah. Still, this is, this is step one of two. Like, you hit this, you hit your individual team workout. There's there's always a very good there there's a very good chance you go top twenty. There's an even better chance you could go top fifteen.
1: He could be Jalen Brown of, of this class. Uh, let's move now to Chuma Okeke. Uh the guy from Auburn that you really like. I'm surprised he got an invite
2: because he tore his ACL. Yeah, I was gonna say he's nowhere near being like healthy at this point. Like are we gonna be able to
1: see him play at all?
2: No. So he, he what's can't the play. invite for? uh to get measured to talk to people oh, okay and i think it's a lot of the the um Is interviews the same with jante porter yeah okay there, so there's no way he does anything because it's it's barely been what two um, months it, yeah two months yeah because it was april that's right yeah yeah so yeah barely so no i, I don't expect to see a ton of him doing anything i actually did go, go in get measured you know, he may do like bench press or some shit that doesn't require him to use his legs at all, mm. Um, even though you sort of do, but whatever. Bad technique, me. Who uses legs. <laughs> um, no, I, I just, I want to see him out there. I want to see him, I just want to see him moving again and talking to people because I think yep. he's someone who, I came onto that train so late in the season. I was one of the people who was like, all right, these are people to watch for in the NCAA tournament. Saw the name. I was like, okay, let me watch some games. I so like, oh, he's pretty good. And then start, I started seeing the games in the tournament. I was like, holy shit. How, <laughs> how did I miss this all year? Yeah. And I really fell in love with him. And that was obviously like a heartbreaking injury uh, for him and his uh, team. But I, I truly believe that he does have NBA-level talent. So injury sucks. And I said it earlier in the show is – I look at someone if he's going to miss the first X months of the year. I don't really care because I'm drafting you to play for more than the first year.
1: Well, I think he's still going to be a second round talent just because of that injury. I think that's going to I don't think he's going to be able to change yeah. that at all, but some team might be able to fall in love with him where they trade up yeah. in the second round to go and get him. And let's let's jump onto Jonte Porter as well into this um, because the reports say that recently tore his ACL. Um so he is invited um and he was one of the worst performers Athletically when we come to uh, last, last year years. at the slowest shuttle speed. Um you yeah. might not be able to try that shuttle speed again. It, what can he do exactly to help him? Can he help himself at all at this comment is like a a slap
2: in the face. Like, yeah, we a little bit to you because your name's a little bit of a and we respect that, and of a and bit of a top player, but a top player, can we know you can't do anything.
1: of they sent it out, to, like, too late. like bit of a he bit it, a he bit of a little he of a little bit of a little the invite he tore his ACL,
2: and then his dad tore his ACL going like, to him. Jesus Christ! And then
1: Michael tore his ACL, <laughs> and then
2: his sister tore his ACL <laughs> oh, for fuck. the eighth time. Um,
1: the but poor do you, family. Do you think that Porter is like okay, okay, and that that mindset? I think I
2: think he's I think Porter because of his shot has so much more value. Like uh, Chuma was athletically gifted. Porter's the opposite. Porter's got a clean shot. and He's got good size, but he's not you know anywhere close to someone who can. Uh, bounce off the ground as high do any anything athletically that crazy so the combine for him I think is very much like are you gonna stop hurting yourself like yeah. can you just stay healthy and show us that you can play basketball because by all accounts last year he was gonna be a late one mm. you know and he decided to come back because this year seemingly weak draft class comparatively and there was a chance he could go top 10 obviously things didn't happen that way but I still look at him and I still see his top end talent being where it is and I'm like Look, like you don't even have to. I, I wouldn't mind if he, like, just, if they did anything, whatever. Like, yeah. he's just in his own category.
1: We got two more guys, and then we have a, a prop bet with nine winners, and then I'm going to make up. Uh, let's go to Kevin Porter Jr. first. I think the biggest thing for me is how good of an athlete he is. Oh, absolutely. Um, is he going to be jumping, like, 44? You know, what's his vert going to yep. be? How quick is he? Can, do if, you think it's over
2: 40? It's gotta be over forty. I
1: mean he's ridiculously gifted. Yeah. Um I I I percent forty. I
2: wonder what the uh um They Combine twenty eighteen vert. The top,
1: I think it was Results. Um Grayson, wasn't it? Weirdly enough, I think it was Grayson.
2: I'm pulling him up right now. This would have been great to have up the whole time. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: at least with Kevin Porter though. I I think the biggest article will, will be interviews for him. And it was Dante at forty four.
2: Uh, forty two. His max vert leap was 42. Josh Okogie, also 42. Yeah. Trayvon Duvall, Anthony Simmons, Zaire Smith.
1: Nice. That was um, a fun combo. I think the biggest thing with Kevin Porter Jr. will just be how elite of an athlete he is and then obviously interviews because he's got to answer what happened and why he was suspended at USC and then why he was kind of out, ousted by his team. I mean, he really wasn't yeah. you know, involved what in those happened? games. Uh, after December. And that's a big thing for me is like, are you going to be able to contribute to your team? Is this going to happen again? What was the t- situation? Explain yourself, answer this. Because, I mean, if you're going to be investing a top 15 pick in this guy, you got to be able to know what you're getting. And I, I think that's the biggest thing with Kevin Porter Jr. is be able to answer what you're doing when it comes to this suspension that you that was given to you by your coach.
2: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. There's just so many questions we need answered. And athletically, if he can hit on. Honestly, his shooting has been suspect as well. So on top of his uh, just at pure athleticism, his vert, his lane agility, shuttle drill, all of that, I need to see the shots actually land. Because you watch him play, and I've said a million times, you watch him play, and the, his highlight reel looks amazing. You're like, this kid, absolutely top three pick in, in in this draft class. And then you like watch the rest of the game, like the fuck did he go? Like <laughs> I, I don't understand like how you can have such high highs. And just completely disappear off your own team for portions of a game. So I need to see consistency from his, uh, uh, all of the shooting splits that they break it up, whether left, right, center, like they do them all. Let's see it.
1: Yeah. I think that obviously is the big thing with Kevin Porter Jr. again is the interviews. And then obviously, uh, what, what you said, Dave, I think hit nail on the head. Uh, let's move to the last one Lucas Samanich. Samich. Samich? Uh, Luka, I don't know. Luka Samich uh, from, uh, <laughs> was from about Slovenia. Samich. <laughs> uh, he was born in Croatia. Uh, other Luca, yeah. He's not going to be a great athlete no matter what. No. I just wonder what his basketball IQ is and can is he going to be lost in those five-on-fives? That's the biggest thing because, I mean, he doesn't know these guys. You know, some of these guys know each other just because, obviously, they played against each other. AAU's big, so they probably know each other from there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Luca going in here, only international player that's been invited. So how is he going to fit in? and will he be absolutely lost in the 5 on 5s and if he is how is that going to affect his draft class that's the biggest thing for me is can he stand out can he at least make some headway when it comes to the uh to to the 5 on 5 games that's the biggest thing for me uh for Luca is be able to stand out yeah. with your peers or at least be able to contribute in those games with your peers
2: yeah i mean he's got good size the question is is you know does he have the agility to match he's 6'10 um somewhere north of 210 we're assuming at this point and that'll be interesting to see where, where he's in at too that's the other thing i'm kind of i'm a little little concerned about that but it it we'll see because if he is a, if he's a legit 610 210 then i'm good with him size-wise i'd love to see him be a little more agile but at the same time i'm not probably going to get it he's got good handles though and i think that his shot's solid like he's he's a player who's not going to wow anyone at the combine i i think he's almost like <sighs> Uh, I I expect him to be, like, graded middle out. You know, maybe hmm. shooting's one thing he can excel at for his position. But outside of that, not super concerned with, you know, his cone drill, shuttle, lane agility, any of that. None of that's going to do anything because he's not not good at it.
1: Yeah, and I don't teams are expecting him to be good at it. That's why, like, Kevin Porter Jr., at least with him, like, if he is able to show that he's an elite athlete then yeah. it's going to be a little bit easier to swallow that lack of production because mm-hmm. he is so gifted. He looks so gifted. But now you got to be able to give that production uh, at the combine where no one has these high expectations for Luca. Yeah. I um, mean, final he just,
2: thing. He's a great offensive player, though.
1: So yeah. if if his shooting splits look great, bonus. Mm-hmm. Final mm-hmm. thing. DJ Stevens set the vertical leap record in 2013 of 46 inches. Does Zion break it?
2: <sighs> All right. Best case scenario. We've seen this
1: dude jump over the the, the box yeah. of, of the basket.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I want to say yes. I wanna say he'll go forty six point five. Gimme give, give me that half inch. Jesus Christ. That'd be insane. I mean, he's 285. Six uh, foot.
1: Duke six said six that maybe. it was 45 inches. Aw. I mean, does he does he just up it has he been just working on it working out those casts. If he loses like inch and a half,
2: if he loses like ten pounds, yeah, that could that could raise him up a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
1: I did look it up. He's not going to be the heaviest player. Uh, heaviest is three oh three, so he's uh, only eighteen inch, uh, eighteen pounds less I than mean, the, the
2: the record of 303 Dude, you got you got a couple of days. Hit up Burger King a <laughs> couple times, you know. Uh, uh,
1: no, I don't uh, think he breaks it. But I don't. It'd be, it'd be forty six is
2: crazy. He did supposedly forty five. Wow. He's number one in the class. I got that down. Well,
1: if he's not, I'd be shocked. Yeah. The only reason why, the only way he's not is if he doesn't participate.
2: Mm. I think this is Wouldn't the only drill shame. he should participate in. Yes, show up. Don't even get weighed or measured. Like I'm gonna pass on that. Like NFL Combine. Like I'm gonna choose and select what I'm gonna participate <laughs> in. That would be awesome from him. Uh, because I am wondering. For me, it's the height, like height and wingspan. What do you think he's gonna clock in it? I'm worried that he's only like six five and three quarters. No, assumption? I don't think he's. That, I don't think he's that small. I think he's six seven. You think he's six seven without shoes? No, because remember they do the ba- they do shoes it, matter because you're gonna be playing. They do basketball height without with shoes. shoes. That's that is the height without shoes measurement.
1: The one that matters though is height with shoes because you play sh- basketball with shoes. I
2: understand that. I'm just saying the measurement is officially height without shoes. Okay, then I'd say six five and a half. That's I think that's he gets my a, concern I think because it's an inch and a half. From we still shoes. don't know where the fuck he's going to play on a court. Like I know positions don't exist, but. What are you?
1: Do positions exist for a six, five and a half, uh, 285 on bowling ball with a 46 inch vertical?
2: Is he gonna weigh 285 still? I don't know.
1: That's I, I, think, I, think, he, I think he clocks in two, six and a half without shoes. Mm-hmm. Two, Wait, two, two, six and a half without shoes? Six, six <laughs> and a half without shoes, 275.
2: Give and me a hits wingspan. A, hits
1: a forty-four inch vert
2: and a wingspan of.
1: He's he's got a pretty big wingspan. You, th- um, you think it's? seven?
2: Whoa! You think it's seven foot?
1: Yeah, I think he's got. I think he's got long arms. All right. I think he's gonna. I, I mean, that's why I think he's elite. It's just because yeah. he's so weird. He. I mean, he's six five yeah. and a half. One of the biggest players in the NBA. You know, when he c- comes in with Talon Horton
2: Tucker. Zion is clearly better. Oh, not even close. Not even close. But I'm just saying, like that's the same reason why Talon Horton Tucker, his name is being breathed into life in the first round. Yeah, is because he has those potentially elite measurables. He's not he doesn't quite have that explosive athleticism that Zion has, which mm. is truly unique to him. But just that—that's why it's people are seeing like that's a weird combo. We can make that work. That's unique. Yeah. All right. Let us know the don't get players. injured at the combine.
1: Yeah. Don't please, get... please don't. Don't get injured at the Combine, and then also uh, let us know what players you're excited for out of the 66 that are invited to the Combine that you'll be excited to watch and be, be following. Obviously, we laid out the ones that we did. Probably picked too many, but hey, I had fun, Dave. Yeah. But let's move into the next topic. We're going to be talking about potential busts. We might have picked too many prospects from the Combine, but oh well, yeah. you got an hour and like 15-minute <laughs> podcast segment. Uh, that's what we love to do for you guys. If you want to help support us, check out patreon.com slash Podcast. That's where you can help support us and upgrade the equipment that we're using so we provide better content for you. We might still be idiots. We might still get bad takes, but it will look nicer and it will sound nicer. So that's
2: the fun part. You'll enjoy it more.
1: Yep. Anyways, so let's move on to potential busts. We are cutting the list um, of players that we were going to mention to four. Dave will have two. I will have two. Hopefully this is like a 30-minute segment because <laughs> we can't go over an hour again. Um, <laughs> Dave, why don't you start us off, though?
2: Sure. Uh, my hot take number one for who might be a bust uh, is DeAndre Hunter. I'm going with the safest player in the draft might be a bust. And you, some people out there are like, how can the safest player be a bust? Because you're taking him top five. I think that's insane. I think that swinging for the fences on a top five pick on someone who can't create their own shot is a massive concern for me. There, There are guys who are, you know, role players in the NBA. You don't want to be the guy who took a role player with a top five pick. And that is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, you know, he could go four through seven, which scares me a lot because I just don't know what the value is of taking someone who is not going to be your first best player, not going to be your second best player, not going to be your third best player, but might be your fourth best player out there And as a top seven pick in a draft. That, to me, screams reach. And that is why I'm going, he might be a bust because we're putting the expectations of being a top pick in the draft on someone who... I'm seeing top end out as your fourth best player who is just a a wing defender, three-point shooter, a 3 and D wing, you know. That, that does not scream great value to me.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing with Hunter that will worry people is the fact that he is safe and he's not flashy. I don't worry about that, though, because I think that he can slash, and he might not create his own shot of, you know, going one-on-one iso and being able to attack and take guys that are... Uh, You know, posting up guys and hanging a, uh, you know, turnaround fadeaway jumper. Um, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Um, But I still think he can be very valuable out there offensively. And I think that a big thing, too, is we talk so much about how valuable defense is nowadays. And he can guard, you know, from the perimeter, mid-range, and inside. He can do it all. And I really love well, what he can bring to a team. He can do
2: it all in college. I want to stress that because again, you're going up against NBA level talent. You might not be able to do it all at the NBA level. Right now, where he measures out, very good. But I'm I still have that question of like, is he a three or four at the NBA level? And as a four, is he gonna get bodied down low? As a three, is he quick enough to keep up with guys? So I mean, it's not written in stone. Mm-hmm. He he does have excellent defense. But a lot of that is also helped out by the fact that his team plays excellent defense.
1: I think, though, I've seen enough tape of where him going one on one is clearly um, it, you know, shows enough. I, I think we've seen enough out of him where, you know, his one on one defense has, has really shined through. Um, I, I think that, you know, having those concerns that he might just be a role player is valid. Um, I When I'm you know, having the Bulls take him at, at 5 or wherever I'm taking him, when, when we're not simming the I'm lottery, nuts. Um, I think of him as a role player providing versatility. And yes, he might be a 3 or a 4, but if he is a 4, I don't see the need for him to then create a shot. So that kind of need or that worry for you then goes away because he turns into a pick-and-pop player or a guy that just works off ball, moves the ball around, and then obviously you know if, if he's standing in the corner, he's open, they'll pass him a ball. I also think he's pretty good uh, you know, in transition. He's got a good body. He can use it. He can you know, draw contact, and mm-hmm. he can lay the ball in. I don't think he's ever going to be you know, an explosive athlete. He'll throw down some dunks every now and then. Uh, he's not going to be like you know, LeBron out there throwing down Tomahawk dunks, but I think that he's such an all-around player that can help a team, especially like Chicago that's going for a playoff you know, run soon. Um, or let's say New Orleans, if they weirdly keep Anthony Davis, he can help them out solidify that team. He might not be that home run swing like a Cam Reddish, but God damn it, he's going to play in the league for 10 years. Um, and that's the thing that I like about DeAndre Hunter. And he'll, he's also taken over games at, at times. Like, I mean, you saw that Texas Tech game, and he was going up against a better defensive team. At least, you know, metric wise, than Virginia was. And he dominated that game. He absolutely dominated that game. He looked quicker than all those guys. He was faster. He was bigger. He was stronger than those guys. So I think athletically we might be underrating him just a little bit. Perhaps. I think that defensively one on one, he will be fine in the NBA. All
2: right. And again, these are these are not I'm slapping a Dave sticker guarantee this guy's a bust. I just <laughs> think that he can be a bust. It's it's like when you look back at old draft classes and you're like, I mean, that guy's an okay player, but like how to he get taken there? And I mean, when you look at the guys behind him, it's one of those situations like, wow, they passed up on them. Um, the first one that comes to my head is like the 2012 draft. Not the first one. We had to go th- We actually had a fun game before this, and we kind of ran through a couple of years of the draft. But in 2012, you look at that class, and it's like Dame was taken at six. Great. Harrison Barnes at seven, and then Terrence Ross at eight. How good do you feel about taking Terrence Ross at the eighth pick? Terrence Ross is the offensive supernova, as I've dubbed him, yeah. uh, for this postseason season. And I love that man, and he can stroke it from three, and his career has gone pretty well, honestly. But he's a role player. He's not the best player. He's not any, any of that above. He's a great bench player. He can move the ball. He can shoot from three. And I think that's, you know, I feel like that's a reach still as the eighth pick. But you don't know the quality of the draft class. Maybe that is your best available option rather than taking a stab at the dark. If it's me, I'm on the, you don't win a championship taking role players. You win a championship by getting the star. Where do you get the star? Top of the draft. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm rolling the dice 10 times cool. out of 10 at the top of the draft.
1: What about the players, uh, at least the teams that already have the stars? Like, obviously, New York, <laughs> they don't have the star. They literally they don't might, have anyone. But yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. And, and they, <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to jump on might, you. They Here might you be able to sign players, but right now they don't have a star. And I'm not saying the New York Knicks should be drafting Donnie Hunter. That's not what I'm saying. Cleveland, they don't have a star yet. Colin Sexton had a very good rookie year. He's not a star yet. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, they have star potential, but they're not stars yet. Chicago, developing stars. Zach Levine, you know, very similar. Yeah. Um, I think they're closer, and that's why I look, hey, maybe they could. Atlanta, Trey Young, very close to being a star. and I think that he has that star potential. So if Atlanta went with him, I, I wouldn't shake my fist at that. Like, I think that he'd be a very good fit. Next to Atlanta, in Atlanta, you know, you can move John Collins to the five. You can have DeAndre Hunter play the four. I think that'd be a very interesting fit. And even Minnesota, they already have a star on Carl Anthony Towns. You look at, you know, Memphis. Memphis would be an iffy pick because I don't think they have a star yet. But what if, you know, Boston ends up getting that pick? Um, They can,
2: right? Boston can get Memphis' pick if anyone jumps above them. So if that Memphis pick falls to nine, it is Boston's.
1: Okay, so, you know, if if Boston takes him at nine that would be a very smart pick because he's automatically going to step in and help that team. Um, I, I think that there are places that he could fit, even Washington. Like Washington already has Bradley Beal. That's a star. And, you know, when John Wall comes back and if he is healthy and he's playing like John Wall used to play, that's a star. There are the places that he fits. He's not a star himself, but he's going to make your stars better. He's going to help your team. He's going to be a consistent guy that gives you 30 minutes every single night. He might not be flashy. Um and I understand that and 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 the value that you're saying, you yeah, know, him being picked at, you know, if he's top five, that's what would make him a bust. But if he's going 15, if he's going that's 15, that's fine. I know, I think hundred percent, yeah. So like, I, I think he has a very volatile range that could really depend. <laughs> but if he's playing 10 years in the league, no one's really gonna bat an eye. I think that's the biggest. If thing he has
2: you know a Trevor Reza style career, yeah,
1: no one's really gonna care that you took him fifth. Because you could have taken Cam Reddish, who like potentially might even be a bigger bust. What? So let's get into him. Yeah, Cam Reddish. Um, what are his expectations? Like what? And and you know, really, we we were asking this question earlier. What are his expectations in the NBA? Because can he bust if he has such low expectations? Um, so what are you looking for with Cam Reddish? Because obviously, I have him lower on my big board than Deandre Hunter because I just feel safer taking Deandre Hunter. Um, but clearly, this is a guy that was ranked higher in in, in uh, recruiting classes. Hunter yep. wasn't really highly recruited. Cam Reddish was. What are we looking at with Cam Reddish when it comes to expectations as an NBA pro?
2: We're looking at someone who has a good physical body, who has all of the tools to be an NBA level wing player, but couldn't piece it all together consistently in college. He had a disappointing season. Obviously, he was the third man on a on a loaded Duke team. And as a role player, he was the best shooter, which, unfortunately, he wasn't a good shooter, but he was the best available option to be their 3 and D wing out there. Defensively, he was locked in. Offensively, he has a lot of room to grow. His shot's not terribly broken, but it is not consistent. Uh, And I think that's why you see when he hits that groove, it's kind of fun to watch him because his shot has changed throughout the whole year, but not for the better. It's just several variations tweaks he's doing to it so i know he's trying to change his game mm-hmm. but he hasn't found whatever it is that he's happy to stick with so i look at him as someone who is a raw template you've got a six nine wing with good athleticism good defense he can when he puts out effort he's good in transition and he's played along stars already but i wonder what he can do on his own and i think there's just the upside of him being younger of being a, a better prospect and having that upper-end potential to be a number one on a team like we saw him in high school and like we got to see out of him in a very few games throughout his college career.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of great points. I just wonder, has he been killed too much where you know his confidence is nothing? That's why I keep saying yeah. like, let, give him to Cleveland, because Cleveland just can let him play, and he can find what makes him confident.
2: No, it's uh, fair. Confident.
1: And, and that, that's where I look at him, and it's like, you know, we, we were looking at old draft classes, like you were saying, you brought up Terrence Ross and uh, uh, Al Camino. Yeah. Um, for for DeAndre Hunter. With Cam Reddish, is he a Xavier Henry? Where, you know, highly ranked prospect was, uh, Xavier was the sixth ranked prospect in his his, his uh, recruiting class. Uh, Cam Reddish was top three. Um and they did not produce, and then they went into the NBA. Xavier was taken uh, like eleventh overall, and you love Xavier Henry. He got struck um, down
2: by injuries, though.
1: Yeah, but you know. with, with Cam Reddish, at least you know, let's hope he doesn't have these injuries and he, he can actually go out and prove himself. They had very similar stats when it came to college, um, and Xavier even had better stats for, uh, coming out of college. So I, I wonder if he, you know, Cam's just been killed so much confidence-wise that he might never be able to be that secondary ball handler. He might never be able to be that. Go to score.
2: Yeah, I mean, when when your shot, when your percentages are so low in college, I wonder like how many guys can bounce back from that. And you know, is that really just where he's at? Like, I, you know, we talk about the volume of shots finds its true value, and I wonder if you know, dude, you you jacked up enough shots where I wonder if you are a career you know thirty five percent shooter at times. It's like I don't know. The shot selection sort of says one thing, the volume says another. So I want to believe that you could be a better player, but. You know, with that much volume and that much game tape of you, this might be who you are. Mm-hmm. So it is it's a high risk move to take him, but at the same time, you know, the floor the floor is the basement. You know, you're you're getting you're getting a guy who doesn't deserve to, yeah. you know, have starting minutes, a guy who should be in the G League maybe, uh, to bounce back and up up and down because I don't know if he's good enough to play on the NBA roster for some of these teams. Um, maybe not the worst of the worst at the top of this draft, but obviously as he gets further down. I just I don't know that I would pass up on the potential, and that's my problem. I'm a junkie for the potential. Give me the guy who has that top end. That is, you know, hey, you are a top five prospect in your class for a reason. Can you get back to the level of dominance, or at least somewhere resembling that? Mm-hmm. I
1: I agree that you know being dominant is going to just be you know that's a long ask. It's it's a it's a long ask, but. <laughs> looking at guys that you know were higher recruits like a Drew Howard, Drew Howard was a second rank uh, recruiting uh was a single second rank recruit in the 2008 recruiting class. Um and he went to UCLA. Uh, 8.5 points, 3.7 assists, 3.8 rebounds, 1.6 deals shot 45% from the field and 30% from 3 and like 72.6% from the line. yeah uh, and Drew wasn't you know step into the league and you know blew up right away. Uh had 8 points his first year. Uh, forty four percent from the field, thirty nine percent from three, which took it was a huge very tactic. encouraging. Um, and then seventy five percent uh from from the line. But a big thing with with him was he went to Philly, yeah, and he got twenty four minutes uh per game right away. And you know he was playing behind Allen Iverson, he was playing behind uh, Lou Williams was on that team. Um, and and he had a lot of veteran help like Andre Godala as well, Elton Brand, Samuel Dellinger. Um, I remember that
2: Philly team. Yeah, I hated that Philly team.
1: That Philly team uh, uh, did not beat the Bulls uh, that year. No. Uh, that was the twenty seven fifty five uh Philly team in 2009-2010. Uh, uh, the next year is when they, uh, oh no, the two years from then, yeah. they ended up beating the uh, the Chicago Bulls. Um, but that's when, you know, Drew started taking over, really. Um, Drew was the 2nd leading scorer on that team behind Lou Williams. And he was 21 at that age, and I, I think the biggest thing that he was able to do was he was able to play around veterans, and he was able to grow. And that's yeah. why I, again, look right back to Cleveland. This is a team with guys that have been in NBA championships. They've played with stars like LeBron, and he's going to have the ability to take time, and he's going to be able to take shots, and he's going to be able to play you know, next to Kevin Love. He's going to be able to play next to Larry Nance Jr. He's going to be able to play next to Colin Sexton. I look at Cam Reddish, and I think a big thing about him is just the fit is going to be huge for him, yeah. and if he goes to the wrong place, He's going to get murdered, and that place is Atlanta. And I disagree with Ricky. I think he'd get murdered in Atlanta. He won't really? have the ball in his hands enough. He's going to get outshined by Trey Young, and I think that if he goes there, he's not going to have enough ability to make mistakes because this Atlanta team has the possibility of being Are you putting good. it in the spooky category? They're spooky. Oh, shit. They're very spooky. Um, and I, I worry about his fit with, with Atlanta.
2: I mean, yeah, I don't know if he wins out on minutes over, like Taurian Prince even, you know? Torin's yeah. been consistent for them, and that's the thing. Is like as a three out there, pretty good. I don't know if he splits time with Herder, who's well, been starting for them. Well,
1: that's one thing. Is some fan, some Atlanta fan, was uh, appalled that I would bench Kevin Herder for Cam Reddish. So,
2: yeah, I'm they, look. Atlanta can do whatever they want with their lineup because, to be fair, like they're not expected to compete. They're still going to win games because Trey Young's amazing. John Collins is a monster in the low post. Uh-huh. So I think they've got a lot of room for creativity and experimentation on that end, but. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not quite as down on that fit as you are.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move to the next one. Uh, you can take this guy.
2: Yeah, Jarrett, Jarrett Culver. Yeah. Uh, Just, let's bash on the national championship. Yeah. I mean, look, look. The guy's a bum. He choked in his biggest games. Uh, I love Jared Culver. I think he is extremely talented, but at the same time, I wonder about his game fitting into the NBA style. You're a two guard who doesn't have any elite first step. You drive to the hoop as your primary move. Uh, try to create contact you can get to line decently well but you're not a good enough pull-up shooter you're not a good enough three-point shooter Uh, efficiency is king these days Mm. you know is it going to take its toll that he is basically a worse version of you know uh, Karis Levert Jimmy Butler uh, as far as like a prototypical style of play and yes defensively you you are fantastic and you're giving tons of effort but offensively you know, is there room for you to grow? Can if the ball is taken out of your hands, you know, I get it. You were you are given the rights to create this year. Mm. When the ball is out of your hands, can you still be a facilitator? Can you be a uh, catch and shoot kind of a player? Like, is that in your game, or is that completely asking a? Is that asking too much growth out of you in the next couple of years? Because you're not the youngest guy in this draft. You're not. You know, you're you're a second year player already. Mm-hmm. So
1: well, and the one thing too that I think is encouraging, at least. For those questions is the fact that Jerry Culver did grow. Um, he did. In in in, the, in from his freshman year to his his, his sophomore year. eleven point two points per game to eighteen and a half. Uh forty five point five percent from the field to forty six. His three percent point percent went down thirty-eight point two to thirty. His free throw though uh, did increase for sixty four point eight to seventy point seven. Um his rebounds went up, assists went up, uh, steals went up, uh blocks stayed the same. I just worry that he's not an elite three-point shooter. And they, like you were saying, and if he's a 2 point they attempts, can't shoot. How uh, many
2: attempts per game did
1: he take this year? 4.2. And that's something that I was going to bring up is one thing that Cam Reddish does have in his size is that he was taking like seven a game. And he was a high-volume shooter. He yeah. was not a very good, efficient shooter, um, but still 34% is better than Jerry Culver. And that's a very bright sign for Cam Reddish, the fact that he was able to show that on the outside and with his you know size and potential, that is something that is the reason why he's going to be drafted so high. Um, but with Culver... He has that defense, and he might have that size as well. We're saying that he might clock in at 6'7 at the combine. Yeah. Um, But is he just a guy that, you know, is going to be playing at the two spot, but isn't that great of a three-point shooter that's going to hurt you? And, you know, hey, maybe if he's wide open, those will go in. But then if he, you know, starts to be tightly guarded, like you're saying— is he gonna then you know create turnovers because he's not able to create enough space to get away from these defenders and he's just gonna create turnovers? So that's the biggest thing offensively that I worry about with him because I think he's gonna be big enough. Yeah. I think defensively he's gonna have the wingspan to guard guys. Um and I think that he's gonna be strong enough to get around screens. Yeah. But offensively, what will he be? And that's the biggest you know, the biggest question that I will have for him. If he's not able to find his spot offensively, then he's just gonna turn to a role player and he's just going to turn to a defensive guy. Yeah. Maybe he just turns to Andre Roberson. I don't know. I think he's more talented than Andre Roberson offensively, but, yeah. you know, worst case scenario, he becomes Andre Roberson. And maybe even worse of a defender.
2: No, I mean, there's there, there's got to be somewhere between, like, you know, that I just and... thought the first guy who couldn't shoot, and,
1: <laughs> you know, plays defense.
2: <laughs> no, there really
1: is. Guys... Roberson's the,
2: the greatest example of that. I was going to say, yeah, it's... God. KCP? We had KCP marked there, but is a much better shooter. I mean, that's... No doubt. So That's true. Culver, to me, it's just the question, like you said, goes back to the Stanley shooting. Stanley Johnson? Stanley Johnson didn't have the creativity with the ball in his hands. He he wasn't able to uh, set up offensive sets, That's true. run them, facilitate. I, I I go back and I wonder, you know, assume he is a limited offensive player. I could see him, worst case scenario, like kind of running the second unit. As as a, a sixth man, being able to provide you know defense and switch into uh, an offense as a small ball lineup, uh, a la Hamptons Five, Andre Guadal role. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Iggy was obviously a much better player, but I wonder if he could find a similar role to that. You know, where if he is often, if he isn't able to grow his offensive game continually and get consistent at a three point level, best case scenario, you can run a second unit no problem. <laughs> And you can come in and situationally help close out games defensively on other teams' ones.
1: Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is we don't know what split between the ears of these kids. And yeah. if Culver does have that, uh, you know, mindset to become great, and, and he puts in the work. He, he definitely can. become It's a real a, shame you know, too,
2: bad. like that we didn't get to see Zaire Smith play this year because yeah. I think that would have almost set a bar for like, you know, we love the defense from, from Texas Tech, and Zaire led that team last year. Jared was obviously a role player. And now Jarrett stepped up and became the guy on that team. And I think that, you know, had Zaire had success and shown elite defensive capabilities out there, that would have been a great measuring bar for Jarrett Culver to go up against because Zaire was another guy with an offensive game where it's like, the dude's the size of a two, but he plays like a four, you know? It, it's just a little bit, it's apples and oranges, but at the same time, it, it leaves, gives you that like level of context of like, these guys played against, or with each other, we can kind of set the bar.
1: Yeah, I think one thing though that Zaire shows me is that he's much quicker and he's much more athletic. Yeah, um, Zaire had a great bounce on him, and he showed that he too in in the NBA um, and at the combine. If you want to check out combine takes, that's true. Check out our last segment. Uh, had one of the highest Combines. so uh, uh, vertical leap. So hey, maybe Culver comes out and he shows that he's a great athlete at the, the combine. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, let's do the final guy, and that's uh, Rui Hachimura from uh, Hachimura uh, from. Uh, that's for you, Ricky from from Gonzaga. I hate him. I, and I don't hate him. <laughs> That's too much.
2: I think you hate the idea of him being a top player in this. Class, I think he's right?
1: extremely overrated, and I think that if he goes too high, a la lottery, yeah, well, anywhere in the lottery, extreme bust because at least extreme bust potential. Okay. These are guys with potential bust. Okay. I look at him, and I don't know what position he's going to play. If he plays the three, I don't think he has the quickness. To be a slasher. He has the body and strength to be a slasher. But I don't know if he has the size to be a slasher. Or, sorry, the, the speed to be a slasher. Okay. And I don't know if he has the creativity to then pass out of when he's in trouble mm-hmm. slashing. There's a lot of times where he makes mental mistakes when he gets pressured, where he turns the ball over. Also, when he gets in those positions, he fires up bad shots that he's not balanced when he's taking them. He's not putting all of his weight and, and, and force into those shots. He's not driving and finishing his shots. There's a lot of times where he comes up short because he just doesn't know how much power to put behind it. And I think as well, when we're looking at perimeter, if let's say he's a four, I don't think he's a deadly enough shooter to be a stretch four. And even then, I don't think he's a, a good enough creator on his own to be a scorer offensively. Defensively, he might be very intriguing, Because it's not really mental mistakes. You might foul some guys, but that's forgivable. He's got a good wingspan. He's got a good wingspan. I think that he'll be able to block shots and Mm -hmm. and disrupt. And in transition, he's going to be great. Yeah. But I worry when he actually has a guy in his face, will he be able to score? And will he not turn the ball over? I think turnovers are going to be a huge, huge thing with Hachimura. That extremely worries me. If he's going 20 or like 19 to the Spurs, I think I'd be a fine fit. And they can really teach him up and, and really you know, show him what to do in certain situations. Yeah. But if he goes to a team, let's say Miami, where they need you to you know, produce right away, um, I don't think it's going to work out well enough. Because I mean, this is just such a very disciplined team. And if you're going out there and you're not disciplined, and hey, maybe they can coach him up. I think that he might be a guy that goes to the G League, maybe never gains his confidence, um, and, and really you know, flops.
2: Wow! Well, I'm saying goes, we to the G League.
1: I'm go- goes to the G League because they want guys who can contribute on that team.
2: Yeah. No, I mean th- this is the land of the the what ifs right now. Um, he had so much college production that I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you can be that low on someone who was able to produce in college as well as he was. Well, because he was going up against WCC competition. Okay. And
1: I specifically go back to the last game that he played. Um, I forget who he played. Uh, Florida State? No. Um, what was the last college game he played? <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Like I know that. I, I, thought you, I
1: thought you were looking at stats. That's what I was asking. No. Um, the last game he played, last two minutes, consistent errors. Texas Tech. Uh, <laughs> consistent errors just back and forth. There was totally was a ton of times where yeah, like the, the whole thing where he's just not driving on his shots um, came up. He was making bad mistakes, turning the ball over. I think that showed that when you have smart players going up against him, that they can force him to make mistakes. And I think as well, if he's going up, and Texas, Texas wasn't crazy athletic, um, if he's going up against great supreme athletes, I think they'll be quick enough to stop his dribble, dribble drive, mm-hmm. and then you know, obviously he'll be, have to become creative, and I don't know if he's creative enough to really attack um, and, and become that monster. Right. Because he's got the body to be a monster without it.
2: I mean, that's the thing you have to think about, though, with him is he—he may be 21, but as far as his basketball game is still growing, and Mm -hmm. I think that that's the encouraging part of him. You know, while he is one of the older people in this draft class, he technically has some of the better potential because we haven't—you know—we believe we haven't seen the best out of him yet. I think his game is still growing. I think there's still a lot of the game he can work on and get better at. And you know, I don't believe he ever becomes a dead-eye three-point shooter, but. If he can hit, you know, won a game from 33% or something like that, then we're in business. You you at least give them something to be concerned about because right now I know he's shooting 41%, but, like, that's, you know, fool, fool's gold pretty much. And that's just the thing that kills me. Is I, I look at him and I go, incredibly talented, still learning the game. Yes, level competition is a great question, Sean. Turnovers for sure, but when I watch him play, I'm like, the dude's able to get to the hoop at will at times, and I he gets to the foul line. He shoots well enough at the foul line. Uh, obviously, it could be better, only 74%, but still in mm. college, basically, you're above that magical 70% line, and people just can kind of brush it along and be like, all right, good enough. So I think continue to work on his shooting, whether it's free throw and outside, and then you have someone who has you know elite level wingspan, good athleticism, I'm hoping, hoping he does find a role. I, I also don't know if he's going to be a three or four in the NBA. That's Ricky sold me on the three idea, but then I watched him play more, and I'm like, you're not quick enough to be a three.
1: And I don't think he is creative <laughs> enough to be a three. I don't think he would be able to go up against an NBA-level defender and be able to use his dribble drive. To create space between him and his defender and score. Why
2: are we seeing I don't know. Talking? You started doing it and I'm really
1: tired. <laughs> I um, too. But yeah, I, I just think that Hachimura just won't be able to be that next level offensive guy that, okay. th- that people think he has that potential. I'm not saying he might not be bad. I just yeah. think that if that is the, you know, we're talking about bust, potential no, bust. I think he, he that is might right be there. A He's a player, player
2: who produced really well in college and there's a chance if he doesn't land well and can't find his true role mm-hmm. that he struggles.
1: Let us know the guys that you think are potential busts in the NBA draft. Do you agree with the four that we picked? Who else is out there? We wrote down Kobe White, maybe. We wrote down Kevin Porter Jr., maybe. We wrote down uh, Romeo Lankford, maybe. Mm. We also wrote down uh, Caban Jale because Dave hates him. Uh, he doesn't actually hate him. Uh, we don't ever <laughs> hate people. No. Uh, but it was just a joke. Uh, yep. But, yeah, I mean, those are some of the guys that we throw out there. Let us know who you think uh, are our potential busts in the 2019 NBA draft. But let's move on to the final topic. I have a ton of energy because we're starting the topic, and it's going to dip like a motherfucker <laughs> uh, near the end. It is a 1,000 degrees in this room, and it got hotter during the day. The heat, I think, is on, and I have a hoodie on, and so does Dave. Yep. Um, so we're ready to pass out. Um, so Ricky and Brandon might walk into this, and they might just see us dead um, yeah. or passed out from uh, heat exhaustion.
2: My last hopes are that they post this.
1: Yes. So we are going to try to uh, get this through, and we're going to be talking about Sekou Dimp as best fit, uh, in the NBA draft for 2019, uh, obviously let us know down in the comments who you think uh, or what team you think would be the best place for Sekou to land. Uh, if you don't know who Seku Demboya is, he will be the youngest player in the upcoming draft. Sekou is coming in, uh, born December 23rd, 2000. So he is a young, fresh 18. Uh, he's coming from French, uh, from French. He's coming from France. Uh, he was born in Guinea. Um in, in in Africa and now he's been playing with Limoges CSP in the LNB Pro A. He's a small forward slash power forward. Uh, listed at six nine and two hundred and ten pounds. Dave, we were big on Seku coming in. Then he kind of had a rough go at it. Um, in Limoges, uh, in the LNB Pro A. Um. Also had a little bit of a rough time near the end. Uh, in, in, with uh, Poiters basket eighty six, his previous team. Yeah,
2: you know, he um, was injured. Uh, to start this yeah, year. Yeah, and then so. he was
1: injured. So, um, he hasn't been Give him great. a little an asterisk. Yeah, yep. he wasn't. He hasn't been great in twenty nineteen, but nothing all around. Uh, you know, all of his fault. Um, so looking at him right now, what are what's his value in your mind for Sekou Demboya? Before we get into which teams fit for him, what's his value? What's his range? Uh, where where do you have him kind of falling yeah. no later than and you know, going no earlier than?
2: I've got him slotted purely between no later than the 15th pick, no earlier than six in my mind. I feel like he is a great wing prospect. You look at him athletically, he seems smooth, he seems controlled. Uh, when he's playing, I like a lot about his game. When it comes down to his ability to grow as a player, you see the age really is the first thing. You're like, okay, this kid's young, and I'm honestly still hung up on the fact of his—I uh, think it was the under-18 or under or the 16U game, where he was just balling out and playing better than players who are currently, you know, professional basketball players. So that gives you a lot of hope when you know at a young age who's able to hit that level of success, that he can keep growing, keep getting better, and again with basketball in Europe. You have to look at the stats with like a mini asterisk going like, yeah, we get it. the scoring's not gonna match ours the the pace of play is completely different. The style is different, so you can't just apples to apples, college stats versus his current stats. but what you can do is you can look at his play. you can look at his individual contributions, how well he plays defense, how well he spaces out the floor for his team, and how quickly he can move to the post. I look at a lot of the features of his game and it it is promising. But it's not there yet, and I go, okay, he's a, he's going to be a project. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe, and I know Sean, we might be on different ends, but I truly believe he's a project esque player. This is a guy who, in three years, maybe maybe he's going to hit his groove. Um, I know guys who hit instantly, and you get that instant gratification of KP coming on the floor, dropping twenty something, you know, after being yeah. booed out of the uh, the NBA draft for being taken because you're on the Knicks, unfortunately. <laughs> that 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 nightmare is over. Um, but I think he's a guy who down the road will continue to develop and just be one of the most consistent players in this class because he's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the speed. I I, I like the game in general. It's just He's got a lot of room to grow still.
1: I think he has a lot of room to grow, but I don't know if that necessarily makes him a project. I think if you put him in the right situations when he first comes into the NBA, he can thrive. Now, I don't know if he's going to be a starter at all, and I don't think he should be a starter, but I think if you put him in situations where he can use the best of his abilities, like his length, like his driving ability, even his shot mm-hmm. in, in some ways as well. He's also really good on the transition. Um, if you if you identify early on when you first get a hold of him after you draft him on what he does best, if you put him in those situations, let's say you know, you, you find him to be an elite driver, which I think he does, which, which I think he does really well. Um, if you put him in situations where he's cutting a lot to the mm-hmm. basket, I think that would help him thrive, and that, that helps him gain confidence. And I think that's a big thing, too. It's just like Frank Aquina has not been able to gain confidence at all in New York. And if you're able to put Seku in a place where he's able to gain confidence, then that will be huge for his ability to take a step up because, you know, hey, maybe you know, that confidence allows him to just fire when he's open from three, and he starts hitting a couple. Then, hey, you know, my, my mechanics are right. I know my range. I'm going to keep shooting. I think that's a huge thing for him. And then maybe he starts being a little bit more aggressive on D, forces a couple turnovers. If things start clicking him in one direction, I think it will start all clicking for him in all directions when it comes to his, uh, his basketball game. Yeah, And that's something that I'm extremely interested in. So I think he is a project in some ways. I think he does need to be coached up, without a doubt. And I think he needs to have certain attention to him. I think he needs to be treated in a certain way for
2: him to really thrive so it sounds like for you fit is king you know if he goes to a team that doesn't you know run offensive schemes like the knicks did this year where they're just like screw using any offensive schemes we're just gonna let the point guard or shooting guard use the ball however they feel like it and you know whatever happens happens uh which i just might have a small problem with Fizdale. um that would that would be a nightmare scenario for him. But if you landed on one of the excellently coached teams, you know, whether he fell all the way or Spurs got awful, you know, mm-hmm. unlikely reason they trade up in the draft. Like if he went to one of those teams where they run sets, they run um different combinations of movement off ball to get him good looks, good slashes going to the hoop, you think that that's the biggest thing for him coming into this draft is really just placement.
1: I think that would be key for him because I think we see so many times that you know, maybe the culture isn't right for an international player, and that really, you know, hurts their their ability. Mm-hmm. I look at Dragon Bender, and Dragon Bender is still an interesting player to me, but Phoenix wasn't the place for him. I don't think he ever connected with anybody out there. Yeah. I don't think he had the ability to really grow at all. They really didn't give him a ton of time. And even when he did, I don't think they put him in the right situations. Um, we look at uh, um, Luca. Luca, perfect place. He had a mentor in, 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 in Dirk. And he was just already, you know, levels ahead. I, I want to give a lot of credit to Luca too. Yeah. Um, but they knew that they were going to give him every opportunity. And they were going to take opportunities away from other players to give Luka opportunities. Let's look at Dennis That's Smith Jr. That's very true. They didn't need to move Dennis Smith Jr., but they felt like they wanted to so Luca could just have his own team. And, you know, let him make mistakes and let him be Luca and let him dominate um, in ways that he could. Uh, and you look at, you know, New York. I don't think they ever gave him consistent minutes in, 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 when it comes to Frank. Um, where with you know with KP they were like yeah go after a kid like they, they didn't hesitate they put him out there they let him make mistakes they let him be Chris Porzingis and 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 clearly that worked out well so I think a big thing is just going to the right place where you can make mistakes you can be yourself but then also you know you're 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 connecting with some players out there so I have a couple teams out there the one that I had last time in a mock draft that I absolutely love mm-hmm. is Charlotte. I think that's a crazy great fit because he can make connections because they have Tony Parker, who's French. They have uh, Nicholas Batum, who is French. Both players played in the LNA, uh, LNB, LNB Pro A, um, the league that Seiko currently in, and I think that's going to be huge. Having those veteran leaderships like Luca had when he had, when he had Dirk. Yeah, and I think another part of it is the fact that they are you know pretty needy for a three and a four. They never had a very athletic four spot. They had Marvin Williams, and Marvin Williams is obviously a, a number two overall pick, but he's really turned into more of a stretch four. And they do have a very extremely you know good three in in, in uh, Miles Bridges. Um, but well, I think
2: explosive. He, I don't know if he's really good yet. I like him. Yeah, I know uh, you like him, but I'm going to keep you if, in check.
1: If they put him at the four, say Ken, yeah, I think playing next to Miles Bridges, who can be a leader, uh, playing next to Kemba Walker if he stays obviously can be a leader learning from them would be huge as well I, I think it's a really really good fit um in that culture and i think that they will be able to give him time too um you know monk hasn't been able to get consistent minutes out there but i think that's more on malik yeah than, than anything he, he makes a lot it, of mental
2: mistakes uh that
1: cause him to have a short leash mm-hmm. and that's that's the thing it's like it's it's a second coach yeah it's not like the same coach doing this over he's a bit of a knucklehead it, yeah. Well, and it, didn't Jordan even give him the... Yeah. On the back of the he head? He did. Yeah. So, I think that if Seku is not making those mental mistakes, or at least he's explained why those mistakes are happening and is able to correct it, he would be able to thrive at Charlotte. And I, I really love that fit of the Hornets at 12. If they stay at 12. Obviously, the lottery hasn't happened. There's still odds. They can move. They can move down. They can move up. If he lands to Charlotte at the right value, 7-14... to 14, I think it'd be a very good fit for Charlotte. I don't think they move up to 17,
2: but fuck it. Um, But I I think it'd be really interesting to see him go to Charlotte. Yep. I I like Charlotte. I think he fits a need, like you said. Coaching staff-wise, it's a good place. Mentor-wise, you nailed it already. I'm just going back to the, like, what's their timeline then? Because, you know, Kemba, if you stay in, is on a super max, which, good luck. Uh, mm-hmm. those have not paid off to anyone yet. Yeah. Um, but that that makes me wonder: are they are they going to make some interesting moves to try to accelerate timelines to make sure Kemba can compete, or are they going to let this young core of Monk, Bacon, Bridges, and Seku Demboya pan out and, and grow together and and roll with them with maybe a you know uh Kemba in more of a Kyle Lowry role as the veteran point guard on that team? By the time they're ready to compete, there—that's—that's that's the number one concern for me. I look at Seku and I love him falling one more spot, maybe, <laughs> maybe just one more spot. What do you like about Miami? It's Miami, man. They're—they're they're nothing but professionals, and I understand that this is a team that you know could be a playoff team had they had a healthy Dragon Bender the whole year. This is also a team that doesn't really like drafting international players. They don't. They don't. They've stayed with the. I don't care. I'm just saying it would be a good fit for them. I'm not saying they're going to take them. I'm mm-hmm. saying it would be a good fit for Seku For Seku to succeed in the NBA, there's not a team with, uh, there's not, I don't think, four teams that have excellent physical conditioning teams with excellent medical. They have the full package for player development at that location, and Miami is right up there at the top. So I look at that and I go, you get to learn from some of the best in basketball mind-wise. You get to work with uh, training staff that constantly does off-season conditioning programs. They do on-season conditioning stuff. They do the body fat percentage thing, which seems hilariously gimmicky, but at the same time, when you watch them play through during games, nobody on their team is gassed yeah. throughout any of their games, and you know they're playing hard 24-7. So I, I look at that, and I'm like, that is the ultimate way to transition from the European play style back over here. They already have Goran Dragic there, who I'm hoping they keep him around. I know this is the last year of his contract, mm-hmm. but I think that him another couple of years to just to make sure if the point guard justice thing is truly a thing or if it was just a one-year experiment i I love his savvy i think he's an excellent point guard and him being able to get seku the ball easily ever so easily seku gives them great size great length something that they value there. toughness wise you're not gonna be on that james johnson level but nobody is
1: well and we were kind of in the thinking of the other uh four teams that we have atlanta Trey young Washington, John Wall. Yep. Uh, New Orleans, Drew Holiday. Kind of. Yeah. Um. He you know, he might be playing two guard. We're not sure. But he right Likely. now he'd be the one. Yeah. And then finally Memphis, Mike Conley. Yeah. Uh, the final one that I'm going to talk about is is Memphis. The fact that he can play next to Jaron Jackson Jr. Those guys can grow together. Those guys can mature together. I think that would be huge. And having a veteran like Mike Conley would be massive to him. And they can get him. I mean, you know, Mike Conley can get him the ball. I think that's gonna be big too. Is is I think that the 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 potential of those two, Jaron Jackson Jr. And Seku Nemboya would be so fun. I might mention Bruno. Um, would be so fun. I think it'd be super interesting to see. Um, I don't think Seku would be two years from being two years away. Yep. I think Seku would be in a place that is just he get the playing time solely. Yeah. He get playing time, and they're focusing solely on developing players, and that is great. They're yeah. they're in the culture of not winning. They're in the culture of <laughs> developing players, and that is going to be huge for you know someone who needs that. And I think Seiko being the youngest player in this draft, they already did that with with Jaren Jackson. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Why
2: not strike goal again?
1: I, I think that would be the smart place for We all love that Jaren
2: Jackson pick, by the way. I think that, like, unanimously, we we're like, yeah, no, this kid. Great pick. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The, there there was not a lot of discussion first, like, on that.
1: 12 games or 20 games, he was like, holy shit, he's so fucking good.
2: Kid is And amazing. then he got in fall
1: trouble every other game.
2: Yeah. No, limitations. His reason he wasn't top pick. But. we knew it was coming out? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I just wonder with that team, do you do you like the coaching fit around there? Because non-existent for me. Coaching-wise, I don't... I well, don't... they just
1: fired J.B. Bickerstaff. Yeah. So their coach is non-existent. <laughs> exactly. Um, So I, I can't say that I hate the coach, because I don't know the coach.
2: But they might. Uh, okay, let me, let me change. Let me tweak it too. Do you like the situation that's been happening in their front office? Because I don't know if that's a stable environment to, to keep, you know, young players yeah. to bring them in, build them up, and keep them happy. Because obviously they moved on from the old guard of uh, having Chris Wallace. What? Chris Wallace. Chris
1: Wallace.
2: Sure. I wasn't going to talk about him. Oh, I
1: thought you were saying the GM. Oh, Marc Gasol.
2: Yeah, as I say, they're moving on from Marc Gasol and potentially moving away from Mike Conley if there's the if the price is right. So I, I don't know. You know, the old the old grit and grind is gone. What is this new core going to be? I think a lot's going to come down to what they end up for coaching staff. But just from a front office perspective, I have questions about long term or longevity of player development.
1: Yeah, I, I think. The question's fair, but I think at least at the front office they're moving away from the old guard and and it's not only just on the floor they're they're also doing it in the front office and I think their idea is to go younger and and they're bringing in Tayshon Prince and they're moving away from Chris Wallace as the g m and I think they're trying to build up a a different team and a new look out there and Jaron Jackson was just the start and I think Seku is the 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 nail behind it um I really think this team's changing and I think they want to you know, completely tear down um, what they have. And I think bringing in Seiku would be another step towards that. So I understand the the uncertainty of yeah. not having a head coach yet and the uncertainty of the front office, but it seems like they're making strides to make sure that they're stepping in the right direction. There's even questions still about their owners. I yeah. mean, they really don't have an ownership under. So, I mean, that those are fair. But I think at least what's currently in place, they're trying to get rid of the old guard and make sure that this is going to be a thriving franchise. And I think that they're a very interesting team. Fair enough. Any other teams you want to mention?
2: I mean, you already mentioned uh, the Pelicans, correct? Correct.
1: I threw out their names because yeah. those are the other teams. So if you want to jump in on Atlanta, Washington, Pelicans. No, go screw it.
2: Let's, let's go Washington. I think that's a fun team. Uh, I, they've been our like wild card bitches, like team of the <laughs> year, I think. Well, they um, were two in the, the, the Mach Lotto. They absolutely were. Uh, so if they don't get up to two and if they get pushed back to, or even at six, but if they get pushed back a little, that's fine too. Because I think that he could be an instant fit on that team, get minutes right away because that's a team where you know they're kind of stuck in neutral. You have an amazingly talented point guard. You have an amazingly talented shooting guard, but beyond that, you've got question marks and John Wall's hurt for likely the majority of this year. So you've got a year to kind of tinker in my mind because I wouldn't put the expectations on Bradley Beal yet again trying to carry this team to the playoffs. Last year he came damn close to it for mm-hmm. a while and it looked like, you know, he was he was playing amazingly. I'll just put it that way. Um so I wonder if you can come in and get Seku Demboya, someone who is talented, yes, but raw, to come in and play on this team and fill in at the four where there is a need, in my mind, and get minutes right away. I think he could get 20-plus minutes a game playing for Washington. I think that that could be the start of something special there because either they're going to be stuck with Wall and Beal forever, which means the guys they've got they better be happy with looking around that locker room, or... You know, it's it's part of a build uh, a rebuild and a teardown. And if you're moving out pieces, Seku being the youngest player in this draft, is a great piece to keep around in that locker room.
1: I agree. The one thing that I would worry about is actual player development there because we look you at love Troy their Brown coach. Jr. last year, and obviously I fucking hate Scotty Brooks. Um, <laughs> we talked about not hating players, which is true. I, I do not like Scotty Brooks. I think he's an overrated head coach. I think he's the worst coach in the league. Um I don't think player development is his skill. I know people are going to bring up, he was Westbrook and Durant's coach. Well, those guys were just naturally gifted and great players. And also, let's look at James Harden. Like, James Harden wasn't James Harden yet when he was on the Thunder. And, hey, he had two all-stars in front of him in Westbrook and Durant, and maybe he wasn't getting enough time. But I don't think that Scotty Brooks is a guy that's going to be able to develop and and nurture young minds, and I don't think he would be able to do that with, say, Kudan that's the biggest concern that I would have for them is the fact that I don't think that Seku would be able to get enough reps in that in, in that facility and in, on that team. And I think that being around Bradley Beal and John Wall would be huge, but I don't think the coaching staff would be to mm-hmm. his benefit. But maybe they fire Scott Brooks. Say I say that, that front office is getting
2: late. torn down right now as we speak. I don't know. I, I think that the.
1: The personnel around him would be good for his growth. Okay, one hundred percent. Okay, I just don't know if the coaching would be, you know, right around him. Uh, but anyways, let us know where you think Sekou Demboya would best fit in the NBA. What team? What spot? What what range? Even um, do you think he's like a seven through twelve? Do you think he's like a you know fifteen to twenty five? Do you think he's a two through four? Let us know in the comments down below. We appreciate all of your support. If you do want to help us out and support us in the biggest way possible, check out patreon.com slash most valuable podcast. You can be on a podcast at the gold level tier. You can talk to us on our Discord at the bronze level tier. You can suggest topics at the silver dollar tier. Go check out all of the tiers at patreon.com slash most valuable podcast. We want to give a shout out to Ricky. Uh, we're giving him a little bit of a break. Um, and we we want to give a shout-out for him always editing and always being on these podcasts. Uh, He is the soul of MVP, so shout-out Ricky. Uh, He's probably listening to this right now as he edits, so again, shout-out to Ricky. Uh, Again, let us know all of your thoughts down in the comments below. But for Dave Oster, my extremely talented co-host and keeping me awake right now, uh, I'm Sean Anderson. We will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.